Hey, Starting Nine listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Look, paying rent is something we all ought to do, and honestly, sometimes it's a bit of a hassle. What if there was a way to make it easier, more straightforward, and even beneficial for your financial future? Well, that's where RentApp comes in. It's the ultimate tool for renters everywhere. By depositing your payments directly into your landlord's bank account, no more trips to the ATM, mailing checks, managing balances, multiple apps, all that jazz. And get this, there's no fees and no weekly limits. So head to rent.app slash barstool for $50 off your first rent payment and download RentApp in the App Store today. Oh shit, 211, we got a burglary in progress. Steel Reserve, not the official sponsor of 211, but drink up, wow, folks. Always, uh, always making it about Stockton. Um, wow, what a show we have for you guys today. Uh, some baseball news. Uh, we've got an interview with Shane Bieber, Beeps. who won the Cy Young Award. I don't know if you know this. He, he, uh, he did, he, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it was, uh, what's the word? So, some bitch unanimous. Uh, you, yeah. you, unanimous. Yeah. You, yep. yep. He, uh, everyone was like, yeah, pretty much. Like if you, if you were to be in the room when the votes were submitted and then counted, they were just like, Bieber, 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 Bieber. How many times can you say Bieber in a row without fucking it up? Bieber, 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 Bieber. Like two. Bieber, 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 Bieber. Beaver, 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 beaver. That's a hell of a run. That's a good run. That's a good run, and that's what the voting looked like when all of the AL Cy Young awards were counted, which is awesome that he's going to be on the show today. We've got some we've got some news to discuss, and a little teaser for a show down the road. I mean, as you know, if you're a member of the Grounds Crew, you know that we have. An interview with Jock Peterson in the bank already. You've got uh, Pete Fairbanks. We just finished our interview with Pete Fairbanks of the Tampa Bay Rays. And that interview is fucking great. I'm going to tell you right now. I want to do nothing but slam beers and repeaters with G-Man Choi. And if I were to be stranded on a desert island with a member of of the Rays, I would have G-Man Choi drop me and Pete Fairbanks off yeah. on that island. Yeah. Pete Fairbanks, is uh, he's a guy. That's a dude right there. He, uh, We went for an hour. So that'll probably be what? Next, next week's interview. Um, but just so that you know, the first question was about his eyes and his, his uh, inability to blink when he's on the mound. And I, I told him prior to the interview, um, at some point during this hour-long sit-down, I will be challenging you to a staring contest, and it will be zero seconds of a heads-up. Just be prepared that it's coming. You don't know when it's coming. And I threw down the challenge, and you'll have to tune in next week to find out who won. It was incredible. Don't, and I'll tell you this. Don't read everything you see on the Internet. Because those could just be, you know, be th- those could be, uh, it could be fake yeah. news. That's what we call bait. We'll bait and switch. Yeah. We'll, we'll you know? bait and switch. Uh, the Cubs will be switching uh, directors of uh, baseball operations. What is going on, Karate? Yeah. Is this a matter? Is, does, is Theo looking on the other side of the fence and going, you know what? Grass looks a little greener over there. Yeah, I don't know about that. So let's boil it down to this. Let's go, let's go way back. Let's go back to the Red Sox days with Theo Epstein in Boston. Um, Two things happened. Two thing, one thing was done. Another thing was said during Theo Epstein's tenure as general manager 
uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, the first thing that I want to bring up is in 2006, a lot of people forget this. The Red Sox were going in a direction uh, at Larry Lucchino, John Henry. There was a power struggle with with these individuals and maybe they were telling Theo to do things that he didn't necessarily want to do as the general manager. And Theo is one of those guys. Dallas is one of those guys. You can't tell me what to do. I'm fucking, I'm not fuck. If you're going to hire me to do a job, I'm going to do the job that you're telling me to do. Otherwise find someone else to fucking do it. And that's what Theo did. They were trying to do all these certain things, and Theo was like, that's not how I want to run or build this team. If I'm going to attach my name to the results Mm -hmm. at the end of the year, then this is going Mm -hmm. to be my team, my decisions, my people, my personnel, my players across the board. Well, the Red Sox tested him on that. And he was like, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. That's where the gorilla suit came in. He, <laughs> he left Fenway in a gorilla suit so that no one could track him down and ask him questions. And he had this period where he was gone in the offseason of 2006. And you, you might recall this kind of changed the course of Red Sox history forever because Theo Epstein was on the record as saying, I'm never I'm not going to trade Hanley Ramirez. He's our top prospect. We fucking love Hanley. That's my guy. Hanley Ramirez in the whatever it was month or two months that Theo Epstein was on his leave of absence from the organization, Ben Charrington and Jed Hoyer take over as co-general managers of the Red Sox. And they take Hanley Ramirez and Anibal Sanchez and turn that into Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell, the ALCS and world series MVPs for the Boston Red Sox in 2007. Hanley Ramirez. How do we feel about that? Hanley Ramirez goes on to have a nice little career with the Marlins, but the Red Sox get themselves a championship during that time where Theo is on the record saying, no, I, I would not have made that move, but it resulted in a championship. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up with Theo Epstein is during his time at the, at, in the latter years with Boston, he said everybody in this, in this business, in this industry, has a shelf life. He talked about managers having a shelf life. This was everybody. towards the end of the Terry Francona era in Boston. Um, he was referring to himself, you know, yes, I, I came here, uh, Dan Duquette's fingerprints were all over that championship in, in 2004, but 2007, that was me. That was me. And then it kind of got ugly at the end there, 2011 with the collapse. Um, so Theo was out and then he went to Chicago and you remember the, the magazine cover. I don't remember which magazine it was, but it was an image of Theo Epstein walking on water. Theo Epstein is going to be the savior here in Chicago. And he was 2016. He was. It took it took a few years of some really shitty Cubs teams and losing. But he said, buy into the process. We're going to make the Chicago Cubs a drafting and development machine. We are going to supplement those pieces with international free agents. We're going to supplement that with free agent signings. Some of those free agent signings didn't work out. But from the drafting and development machine aspect of things, it's hard to argue that his model did not work. It did. They won a title. But then from there... We don't know what happened. The wheels fell off. And, and I, I think I've mentioned this quote to you, Dallas, on this show before. It got swept under the rug for whatever reason. I don't remember if it was after 17 or 18. I think it might have been 18. John Lester, paraphrasing here, he kind of called out his teammates and, and implied that there was some complacency. Like, hey, we won in 16, yes. but like, I want another one. Like, we can't just fall back on 16 and be like, ah, another first round exit. Ah, you know, we didn't, we made the playoffs, but we didn't quite, you know, it's a crap shoot. Once you get there, who knows? I mean, that's, 
You're talking to a guy that already had two rings before he got to Chicago. This is a guy that, you know, he was a big piece of 2016, but that was his third ring. He wanted a fourth. He wanted a fifth. And the Cubs were talented enough to get those fourth and fifth for John Lester, the the second and the third for the Theo Epstein era in Chicago. Um, And when he said everyone has a shelf life, it was about 10 years. And he got there in, uh, in 2012. The end of the era was in 2011 in Boston. He gets there in 2012, and it's been about eight years. It's about, it's about that shelf life that he referred to. Everybody has a shelf life, but that's why I brought up the whole exiting Boston in 2006 thing when things are going a certain way that Theo Epstein doesn't approve of or he doesn't like and he feels like he's losing control. Guess what? That's a guy that's just going to be like, all right, fuck you. I'm out of here. So it was a combination of the two. You were coming up on the shelf life, and it sounds like to me, Dallas— a situation had been presenting itself in Chicago where Theo Epstein was like, listen, I am not a fan of the direction that you want me to steer this club in. I am here to win championships, plural. And if you are going to instruct me to make decisions that go in the opposite direction of winning a championship, then again, just like I said to John Henry and Larry Lucchino in 2006 and in 2011, fuck you. I'm out of here. And he is out of there. Done. And, and I think, I think a lot of this has to do with the complacency. And you touched on that. Everything that you said about his past with the Red Sox and him identifying that shelf lives are very real. They're not only very real in baseball, they're real in all sports when the turnover can be so quick because the, the distance between the peak of success and the valley of despair is not as great as you think it would be because from year to year you could be you could be in the basement or you could be the homeowner on top of that mountain that I'm talking about so when you're talking about a, a century's worth of lack of success lack of championships and you scratch one out and you give that organization you give that entire city something to to be excited about well it's almost like 2017 was exactly what we all think it can be at times and it was the hangover right but the hangover didn't stop and it hasn't stopped it's almost like that day you turn 30 and you're like oh my god is this a hangover at 30 the hangovers at 28 no fucking problem See you there at 8.30 in the morning. Put another lime in that Corona before noon, and let's get this bitch cracking. You turn 30, and you're like, no, Pedialyte, please, gallon of water. Get and, and that's what it feels like happened with the Cubs is during that moment of time where John Lester is trying to get folks to rebound and realize, hey, look, the conversation we're having right now is a 2016 conversation, and it's 2017. It's 2018. We can't be having those conversations now. And it's almost like the decision makers were the ones potentially resting on their laurels or enjoying what had just happened. Where they're, they're not paying much attention to building to the future. And now you've got a, a team who, inside those walls, as you pointed out with Lester being vocal about it, that might not have that burning desire that was there in years past, leading up to 2016. So do you find yourself 
as the Chicago Cubs, who for the last three-plus years have just been really excited about what happened three years ago mm-hmm. as opposed to remembering, hey, you know what? We're still a pretty damn good club four. with a pretty damn good core here. And why aren't we winning? Well, what is going on? And it has. It's been a combination of lack of performance from the stars, from the from the pillars of success. And, and now when you start talking about the guy who's brought people in, extended people, created the culture of this organization, walking away, the only thing that I can think is the power and the authority that he was given to bring the club that we have now to fruition is being threatened or is being taken away to some degree Mm -hmm. because he now no longer feels confident in his authority to go out and secure a guy, maybe release a guy, make moves, whatever it may be. And it very well could be him being forced to make decisions that he just wouldn't otherwise make. And that's where I talked about the managers in this game being given two lists of decisions that they can make. You make one from this list. List A tells you you can make this decision and you won't get fired because it's coming from the front office. List B is the list of decisions you can make that, you know, would be supported by your gut instinct, would be supported by your experience, but isn't really factoring in the front office calculations and the algorithms that they're putting forth. So, Theo, what decision do you want to make? List A, where no matter how it works out, you keep your job. Or list B, go with your gut. But if it doesn't work, your name on the bottom ticker says you've been fired. And it doesn't say that we've parted ways. Yeah. Theo don't play that shit. If, if, if he's going to leave the Cubs organization, it's going to be on his terms. And everything that has come across the dashboard has been Theo Epstein has stepped down. He has resigned. It hasn't been he's fired. He didn't keep up his end of the bargain. And we can go, I mean, if we want to take a deep dive on it, we can talk about some of the the misfires that have happened in the Theo Epstein era in Chicago. But I don't think that there's a Cubs fan on planet Earth today that is sitting there being like, thank God Theo's gone. Not a fucking chance. You're taking all those misfires. You're taking every one of those misfires because you have what you didn't have. You had what your grandpa didn't Mm -hmm. have, right? And you got to see all of that happen. So you're happy. Yeah, you're happy. You're happy. That's my point. him on the way out. And it's, I mean, I'm not trying to, like, ring the the fire alarm here in Chicago, but, like, all the back channel stuff that that we keep hearing about what's going on in Chicago, it's not Uh great. I mean, the direction that I'll the organization this. wants to go in right now, again, is not in the direction of a win-now type mentality. It's just not, and and that's there, what the UFC is not there to do. He's not there to take steps back so that he can take steps forward later. There's been individuals that have worked within that organization and have served uh, multiple different roles, individuals that I that I know, and... Over the past year and a half, maybe two years or so, I've seen these individuals leave this place. And it's kind of been head-scratching for me. Because knowing when they entered that realm, how they were brought in to that organization, the things that were done for them to further their professional careers, to further their 
credentials so that they can continue to pursue work within the industry. It feels like that is changing. It feels like acknowledging that you can receive benefits by having people in place that work with your athletes that might not be forward-facing. You're not going to see a lot of these individuals, but the work that they're doing on a daily basis cannot be discredited. You cannot just scoff at that and sweep that under the rug. So guys who were working with these athletes daily, not only in physical preparation but mental preparation alike, those individuals are no longer there. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that they're leaving with frequency. It's happening a lot. Yeah. I mean, and now Jed Hoyer is going to step into the spot that Theo Epstein once occupied. Um, but if you follow the, the trail here, I mean, Jed Hoyer has gone wherever Theo Epstein has gone for the last two decades. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe this is, you know, his home. Maybe maybe Jed wants to be there and he's not going to follow Theo Epstein in a year from now wherever he's going. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, – and by the way, one big thing to note here, I know a lot of Mets fans listen to Starting Nine. Shout out to uh, Stevie Cohen. Um, a lot of people are saying, like, well, now is Theo Epstein going to hop over to the Mets? Is he going to hop over to the Phillies? Uh, Theo Epstein has said that he uh, is is going to take this next year off. So if you're if you're the Mets and you're thinking – Everything's falling into place. We're going to get the Messiah. We're going to get the the ender of World Series droughts. Theo Epstein is coming to Queens. If that is the landing spot, then you're going to have to wait a year. And by then, there probably will be someone in place that maybe is a little bit more of a permanent option. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ruling out Theo Epstein to the Mets in, in a year, um, but it's not going to be now. So if that is your hope and your dream and your wish that you're going to get Theo Epstein on top of getting Stevie Cohen and whatever else, Francisco Lindor, Trevor Bauer, I know the Mets fans are super excited right now for the future, as you should be, as you should be. Also, a lot of cool things are happening right now, but Theo Epstein to Queens right now is not one of those things. What about an entire season worth of courtship? What about an entire season worth of back and forth and exchanges between Cohen and a Theo Epstein like here's where you guys are at here's where I think you guys could be we'll circle back after a few months I'll evaluate some of the decisions that your front office has made we can bounce things off each other and who knows Steve maybe if the if the offer's right maybe if all things considered Jed Hoyer likes to likes the idea of planting his flag in Chicago hey, go, ahead, go ahead and Theo has Finally gotten to, and not finally gotten to a point, but Theo is at a point where he can say, Jed, my brother, we've been riding together for a long Mm -hmm. time. This isn't us riding off into the sunset. This is simply you becoming the sheriff of this town here. And this is me packing up my horse and heading Mm -hmm. east. That's all this is, man. That's all this is. You're still my friend. We're still buddies. We're still still the boys here. I'm just going a different route. And maybe that's because Theo is not the guy like we know him to not be to just take shit from people. He's going to do things his way. It's going to go down his way. And if you're a Mets fan, I think you have to tease yourself. You have to think about why would you not think you have to. And I mean, like, think about it this way. Like, if you're Jed Hoyer 
and you're now president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, and you can't really go up from there unless you're like president of the fucking team. So, I mean, wherever if you continue to follow Theo Epstein wherever he goes, you're never gonna be the guy. And like maybe that's not what he wants. Like maybe he wants to be Theo's right. guy. Like we don't know. Uh, I mean, it, it, he was the guy in San Diego. Everyone forgets that before Jed Hoyer could join. Theo Epstein in Chicago, he made a stop as as GM in um, in San Diego first, which was how the whole Anthony Rizzo thing happened. But um, I think I think it's time for Jed to be like, hey, I know some shit too. Like I've been I've been in the league a long time. I've been part of winning organizations for a long time. Uh, I would like to ha- put my stamp on an organization without being in Theo Epstein's shadow. Fine. Um, but as it pertains to where Theo's next stop is, why wouldn't you pick the Mets? You know, like, I, I guess, I guess, like, Philly is intriguing, well, but, like, Philly has already made their big splash with Bryce Harper, and maybe there are more splashes to be made in Philly because obviously you look at what they did this year and just completely shitting the bed at the end and their bullpen being a fucking joke. Um, so I think Theo would probably like to sink his teeth into a team where like the Red Sox in, in 2002 to 2003, it's like, there are very good key pieces that are already here. Let me get you the supplemental pieces and then we'll win a championship. But with the, with the Mets, it's like, that's, that's, that would be the most enticing organization for me to jump to. For a couple reasons, not only because of the perceived financial flexibility and power that you would yes. have with Uncle Stevie yeah. taking over, but if wh- where are you at as a as an executive, and what is your wheelhouse, and then are you willing to challenge yourself? Are you interested in challenging yourself? And those are the questions that you ask if it's a Philly or New York decision to be made. Right? Philly would represent the. Let me challenge myself. Uh, I'm clearly going to be under constraints that I would not be under if I was leading the New York Mets. So, well, what does Theo act like? Philly doesn't have money to spend when you drop three thirty on Bryce. That's great, but we're talking about a new guy in town, and that's why I said perceived financial power and flexibility. Perceived. That is what intrigues you. You don't know about it yet on the whole, so you are perceiving this power to be great, to be superior to anybody else around. And that is part of the decision-making is, all right, just how much more cheese does Uncle Steve have as opposed to what's going on in Philly, and do I want to use that cheese, or do I want to use my brain power and really roll up the sleeves here? And though I don't have all that financial flexibility i i still do have the ability to go and get a guy or two if i need him let me ask you this dallas maybe you can't say um what is the update over there in oakland with billy bean joining forces with john henry and whether or not he'll be able to maintain his duties as a baseball executive in oakland because before you answer if i'm theo epstein uh I've won championships with two organizations that had very long droughts, 86 years in Boston, 108 years in Chicago. Um, But I had, I had some money to burn on the way to winning those championships. What's the next challenge? Like if you're just like this 
you're, if you're chasing the high, it's like, well, I ended the mm-hmm. curse in Boston. I ended the drought in Chicago. What's the next big challenge? Because I feel like the Mets, I mean, you could put anyone in that spot, and I feel like the Mets at least have a shot at winning a title in the next three to five years, whatever it is, like that window. But the Oakland A's, uh, that's a team that it Jared? is a challenge to I mean, we just Jared? saw it with Tampa. Payroll doesn't matter. You Jared? can get to that World Series. But the Oakland A's, I mean, if you've watched Moneyball, if you've read the book, if you've just watched baseball over the last few years, the Oakland A's are a team where it's like, we're fucking good, but we're not get over the hump good. How do we get over the hump? Oh, oh, there's, there's, there's a guy out there who is an expert in getting over the hump, and his name is Theo Epstein, and he doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, and, and typically when you have jobs – uh, there's a financial compensation. Oh, you think that, that you think the A's can't even afford Theo to that job? Are you kidding I'm me? I'm not saying, Jared. I'm not telling Jesus you. Jesus Christ, can Dallas! GM, you can't even afford can't the guy afford who GM. can't afford the guys. It's a uh, when you think about challenging yourself. Holy shit! If you're Theo, that would be tantamount in my mind to sitting down. For an eating contest. What are we eating? We're eating rice. Okay. Uh, I, just, I just got one problem here, and I'm, and I'm speaking as Theo here, right? And I'm sitting on a panel with the other people I'm competing against. Let's say 29 other contestants. Uh, problem is, all 29 of those guys have fucking spoons that they're eating this rice with. That's great. You just threw Theo a fucking chopstick. Un. Un chopstick, not a set of chopsticks that would make this easier on him. You've given him a fucking chopstick and said, go for it. Compete. That That's the reality of the Oakland A's, whether it comes to player personnel, coaching personnel, whatever. GM, whatever. Jesus Christ, that, that's just how shit has gone. So that's why I said, depending on where you're at as a GM and how you want to challenge yourself, the Philly idea represents a challenge compared to the New York Mets idea or situation strictly because of, again, the perceived financial flexibility. I think from an ego perspective, though, don't you think Theo Epstein would love the opportunity not just to win a championship in Oakland, given their restraints, but to, but to do it within the first two or three and watch Billy go, how the fuck yeah, do you do that? Because yeah, I know exactly Billy, where going with Billy that, gets all the love for Moneyball, where it's like, oh, this guy revolutionized like how we do this. And, and Theo Epstein kind of took over from there. Like He adopted Moneyball. Probably, he was probably one of the first guys to look at what Billy was doing and implement that in some form or fashion to what the Red Sox were doing. But to go to Oakland and immediately like be the guy after the guy and, and win – in, in in Oakland, like with those same restraints, I, I think that that's like if you're ego chasing, if you're like, I need the next high, I've done it, I've ended oh. it in Boston, I've ended it in Chicago, now I'm going to go fucking win right after Billy being in Oakland. There would be one or two places that you would go to to do that. One or two places. And that would be Tampa. But even Tampa or that would is be like, Oakland. I mean, Tampa's at least known as the smart revolutionary organization where it's like people don't talk about Oakland that way anymore because they might have invented Moneyball, but now everyone's doing it. So now it's not like cool anymore. Well, but but so so that and that's what's crazy. Oh, it's not cool anymore? <laughs> that's well, great. Well, it's not but, new anymore. Right, and understood. So isn't it weird how Tampa is viewed as the 
brain organization, the thoughtful, the forward-thinking organization, yet the team who essentially started this whole fucking thing is now looked at as a stagnant dinosaur because they haven't experienced the same success that the Tampa Bay Rays have since implementing this. I mean, they went to the postseason. They've had postseason victories. So, sure, they haven't been to the World Series. I mean, it's... But, hmm, you know? I don't, it, I don't know that I would... These are these are the times that I miss Jay Hay because I'd be like, can we really compare the A's postseason success to the Rays postseason success in the last, let's call it, since 2008, really? Uh, since 2008, how many times have the Rays been to the postseason? Four times? I don't know offhand, but they've been to the World Series twice. And I know that the A's, what was it, 2012 they went to the ALCS? 14? Uh, one of those years? 12, no, not 14. 14. That was the fucking one and out year because the wild card, um, the Cespedes trade. Anyways, we're getting sidetracked. I want. I just want to say this because I'm sure like we're going to have plenty of time to talk about where Theo Epstein is going to end up because, like he said, it's going to be a fucking year before we know the answer to that question. I want to give Cubs fans that are like their heads are about to explode, like what is becoming of my organization? What's the answer to that question, Dallas? What, what, where do they go from here? Does it, it like, is it over? Is the window closed? Is this a whole, is this a, like, can, can Jed Hoyer pick up where Theo Epstein left off and things can kind of continue where it's like, we're still the best team in this division and we're still going to go back to the postseason and give ourselves a shot. Or is this bookmark it? This, this is, is a completely, it's a new era. It's a completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a completely different vibe because if, Two guys who are continually in the room walk into the room and Theo's the one giving you the business. He's the one creating the culture. He's the one creating that vibe. The next time those two guys are supposed to walk into the room and Theo doesn't walk into that room and it's just Jed, everybody takes a look and goes, and and, and you make a decision. In that moment in time, you make a decision. Do I treat him with the same respect? Do I regard his opinion as highly? Mm-hmm. Does he carry the same cachet? Mm-hmm. And the answer to the two out of the three of those is no. And so then the team meeting that happens right after that meeting mm-hmm. is of paramount. Just so, so big. It matters so much. Because whatever he's going to say to that group is then going to be regurgitated broken down and analyzed by the players. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys think when he said this? Do you think he believes that shit? Is he a guy that can go to bat for us? Is he a pipeline to Ricketts or does it stop with him? How do we feel about this dude? What has he done in the past to show us that he will go to bat for us? Mm-hmm. Does he listen to us? Does he care? Or was he just Theo's Ooh. puppet? Those are the questions that come up and those are the conversations that are had. So, the minute those two dudes are supposed to walk into the room and it's only one of those mm-hmm. dudes, the next five minutes are going to be very, very cool. So uh, in, in honor of Jay Hay, I've got some some spicy, hot, tasty nugs for you. Um, since 2008, the Rays have been to the postseason six times. The A's have been to the postseason six times. Uh, but the last time that the A's have been to the ALCS was 2006. And over that span in the postseason, the Rays are 27 and 29. 
since 2008 in the postseason, the A's, 7-13. and 13. So we're seeing we're seeing sub-500 records here, but it looks like uh, the Rays have played well, far Rays... more games in the postseason. Well, that's been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to keep an eye on this. I would imagine that there's – this is not the end of the fallout from this. Uh, this news broke at the time of this recording oh, like no. an hour ago. Because somebody had to make a decision to cause Theo to go, hold on, what? So someone said something, did something, made it abundantly clear that this is the direction that they wanted to go, and it was so egregious that Theo decided to leave town. Yeah, there's going to be more fallout. It's going to be a lot of fallout. Um, <laughs> there's going to be more I, fallout. I think I'm also just Absolutely. like, I could be wrong. Uh, I, I'm, I have Boston brain, so like usually when shit like this happens, it's – it's months of anonymous sources and everyone just slinging shit at each other. I don't know that that's the vibe in Chicago. It doesn't appear to be, but I would imagine that, you know, that much power and that much success and turnover job wise, someone's going to say something. And I feel like we're going to get more details on this before it's all said and done. And we close that chapter once and for all. Could it be a case where Theo could eventually be seen as, drunk with power and couldn't be couldn't be rationalized with couldn't be reckoned with over some decisions i don't i don't because know because it's like a the only reason and, and i'm not like i'm not trying to put thing, him but i don't mind the stubbornness yeah, i don't because the only thing i go back to is the hanley decision yeah. right and and if if maybe a group of people were like hey look theo the last time you dug your heels in like this dude uh there was a decision made that kind of worked mm. out so all we're asking you to do is consider this. And maybe if he just throws his arms up, just like, nope, not having it. Don't want to hear it. Don't want like who, you know, I, 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 I don't want to say I'm playing devil's advocate, but for as much clout as Theo has and as much respect as he's absolutely earned for what he's done in this game, I always like to leave open the possibility that your angel might not have the halo you think they have. And, and that's just being real and being like trying to be open and honest about this scenario because it's not like it was just the other side that pissed Theo off. There could be something where Theo just wasn't willing to give, and that could have been mm-hmm. it. Who knows? All I know is that I would take a bullet for Theo Epstein. I really would. I remember like my Facebook profile in like 2005, like where it said like uh, like political views. It, I put like Theo Epstein for president. Like there's a video <laughs> of me in high school doing like a fake interview with Theo Epstein. Like I, I was. I like created the fake backdrop that looked like the backdrop that he was in. And I took clips from one of his interviews and then made it look like I was asking him the questions. I got to go find that video. I know it's there. It's somewhere. Um, Jesus. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the next chapter with Theo. Um, but it looks like we're going to, we're going to have some time before that plays out. And uh, while we have that time to wait, uh, are, are you an Ampli guy, Dallas? Ampli guy, you know, Jared, I've just, I've started to make transitions. Mm-hmm. I've started to make moves. What do you have on Ampli for me? Um, well, here's the thing with Ampli. Uh, it means plentiful, reflecting the abundance of specially made herbal-based remedies that heal, restore, and engineer a healthy body-mind balance. I feel like that's right up your alley. I am. I'm all about the mind-body balance. The, the best part about Ampli and the products that they have, and this really goes for a lot of folks that are in the CBD game and the, the herbal, the holistic game, 
is you want to make sure that what your clients, what your consumers are consuming is good for them. And that's what they provide. All this shit is naturally produced, carefully crafted by experienced herbalists. These aren't just some yahoos throwing a bunch of flowers and sticks together and putting a pretty label on it. No, no. Decades of wisdom combining ancient medicinal techniques with modern science go into this. That has all helped build the supplements to combat contemporary challenges and struggles of everyday life. You're not supposed to feel the way you feel when you wake up no. every day. You say, how do you know how I feel? How do you know how I feel? Wait, probably mm-hmm. stressed a little, maybe a little anxiety mm-hmm. going on. I'm with well, you. That's the thing. The so that's why Ampli takes care of us because uh, they were kind enough to give us some of their product and we got to choose from the entire menu. Like what, what, what are you looking for? What do you need? And uh, for me, you know, I know that I am a anxiety right before I go to sleep guy. So I looked over and I was like, they got this, they got this product called snooze cruise and it's a sleep aid. Yeah. Uh, they were like, you can have three bottles of like whatever you want. And I was like, give me triple up on the snooze cruise. I'm going to take that. So uh-huh. the snooze cruise has changed my life for the better. So that's what, what I'm rocking with over here. Well, I, I've been a fan. So they've got this other stuff, yep. the inside job. That's Ooh. the detox. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me say that again slowly for the people who need to turn this volume up right now. Inside job is for the detox. So you need that extra little boost, that little nudge, maybe after the uh, the Sunday scaries haven't quite gone away on Monday morning before work. Inside job's got you covered. And all of these things, again, combine the highest quality organic and wild-crafted herbs they got on the market. That's, that's the only way to go. You want the best, you got to put in the best, and you'll get out the best that this product has to offer. So in a world full of turbulent change, a bunch of opposing opinions coming out of left field, the healing power of naturally produced supplements continues to provide a sense of authenticity, a sense of relief that I think we all need. So take the first step towards engineering a naturally sound body-mind balance by using the promo code STARTING. Use code STARTING, and that's going to get you 10% off your purchase at checkout. And again, not only are you going to receive 10% off, you're also going to enjoy free shipping on all U.S. orders. Free shipping. Explore the authentic power and extraordinary benefits that come from naturally produced amply herbal supplements all you got to do go to amplyblends.com a-m-p-l-y blends.com use promo code starting 10 percent off your purchase and free shipping Ooh, get it in um before we get into the uh shane bieber interview um trevor bauer just absolutely mic dropped uh mad dog russo so I don't know if you remember this, but this was a, uh, like an interview that that Mad Dog did. I, I want to say it was in like March or before. It was around that time. It was definitely like in quarantine. It was before the season started. Um, I don't know who SI is in this exchange, but this individual says, I do believe out of TV, writing, and radio that radio is the hardest gig of the three. But you said that you think your job is as hard as Trevor Bowers. Do you stand by that statement? Mad Dog said, to do it right? Absolutely. Here's the better way to say it. I do my job better than Trevor Bauer does his. Trevor Bauer is not as good of, of a pitcher as I am a talk show host. And then Bauer tweeted, one may ask the question, did I simultaneously do my job and your job better than you this year? I guess, you're, 
I guess when your job is to say stupid shit on radio, you end up looking stupid. Tough look for Mad Dog Unleashed. And then he he had like the exchange, and then it's a screenshot. Trevor Bauer wins the Cy Young Award, and then it shows him hitting uh, over a hundred thousand subscribers on his <laughs> YouTube channel. So I mean, I love I love the petty nature because I do shit like that too. Like I I definitely keep receipts on anyone that's ever said a bad thing about me just so I can dunk on you and rub my balls on your forehead. Uh, so I appreciate the pettiness and the timing and waiting, biding your time, proving people wrong, and then calling people out, like not letting people get away with shitty takes or, uh, you know, thumping your chest a little bit too soon. So, again, congratulations to Trevor Bauer, who is uh, a Cy Young Award winner, and he also managed to hit over 100,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel this year. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> and an undertaker signing award yeah. winner and an undertaker just burying mad dog what? i gotta say man um you and i both have a lot of respect and love a lot of those dudes on sure on mlb network on all of them fuck and it is it is just so unfortunate to watch that turn into state tv what the way mean? it has and with guys like 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 it's a it, we know who pays for the channel and we know who mm-hmm. who props it up and i know especially talking to those guys i know how difficult it is at times to not be able to say the shit you want to say because of where you're working because of what you're doing and so when it's just it just sucks like you got that kind of you got that dude who's carrying water for that brand for that company and we understand who he appeals to but that's just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just left a bad taste in my mouth for a while. I know that really uh, I've tweeted about Mad Dog Show a few times, and, like, I've had player like, Donaldson tweeted back, and, like, why do you watch that shit? And the answer to that is simple. Very rarely do I agree with him. Uh, I don't really like the, the tone or just, like, the preachiness or the I know more than you stuff. But I will say, as a baseball content creator myself, that – when people say outlandish shit, it gets it 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 creates. No, that's I know what he's doing. He, he's doing he like says that. outlandish shit like on purpose. That that's gets not... you to say things in response to it that also kind of like garners attention. So like, I don't care. Like, if you want to like say dumb shit, like you're a better talk show host than Trevor Bauer is a pitcher. It's like that's fine, but you're gonna you're gonna wear it later, and you're also gonna give us fodder to talk about on the podcast, which is exactly what's happening right now. So. I don't know. I I just uh, this, there's just individual like that that that's just attention that I don't need to pay. Like I, I know why he's saying it. We all know why he's saying it. Like you got to entertain it. Those guys, those guys go away. They sure do. And we're gonna go away for a little bit because we're kicking it over to this fucking Shane Bieber interview that we did with the unanimous Cy Young Award winner in the American League, Shane Bieber. All right, we are here with the unanimous. Cy Young Award winner in the American oh, League. You already know. That sounds His so name good. Is Shane Bieber. Uh, Say it again. Say it again. Our, the Say- unanimous oh. Cy Young <laughs> Award winner in the American League. His name is Shane Bieber. I'm aroused. And it's, uh, have, what have you been up to? What have you been up to since the whole uh, Cy Young Award thing? Nothing, man. Just still trying to recover. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, it was a good time, obviously. Um, just been I had an awesome to, time. 
yeah uh thank you guys for joining that was that was a fun time for sure um but yeah just just kind of recollecting and and enjoying it um you know been getting back to work over the last couple weeks uh and lost a little bit of the progress that night but um yeah. just trying to regain that and uh get back to where i need to be to move forward and uh honestly look look on to next season i feel like we, you... we called it a night before midnight i feel like you, you couldn't have been that bad yeah, but remember I had the yips on the on the range, and yeah. the only thing that the only thing that could fix it was a screwdriver at yeah. like 10 a.m. So we yeah. started pretty early. Yeah, so it was a long day. <laughs> it was a long day. What do you remember most from that day, if anything? Uh, I I think just all of it. Honestly, um, I, it was really special to me. Just have so many people there from from different backgrounds, and and obviously people that are very close to me and. and you guys joining us and, um, and, and my agents, my family, friends, everybody, it just, everybody had a really good time. It was obvious, you know, the, the vibe was great and it just meant a lot to me, um, that everybody was just enjoying the day, enjoying each other. And, um, you know, like you said, it, it went, uh, swimmingly. Yeah, yeah, what, what, one thing, what, one thing I noticed and and this has happened, this has happened to me like, um, look fucking wedding season hits you're talking to everybody you're going to all these different weddings teammates weddings shit like that you you really find out a lot about um the the life and the love of the bride and groom by speaking to people who were there and by witnessing their interaction and how they interact with each other right and sometimes it's seamless and other times you're like yo they fucking hate this bitch they can't wait to get <laughs> right uh but that was what I took away from it, dude, was even from, from the minute we set foot on the range to the minute that we said our goodbyes, like speaking to everybody there, you could just feel how much love, how much support and how proud they were honestly of you. But I think even what, what was cooler is more so like themselves, like there were collective like high fives and congratulations, yeah. like, yo, our boy fucking did it. Yeah. He did yeah. it. Like, and and the fact that we're even here, he thinks that we played a role in it. You know, like your brother, your agent, everybody, everybody, the guys from, from the companies who support you and, and, and you endorse, who obviously endorse everything you're about. So that's why when I ask you, have you now had time to step back and, and really take stock of not only the acknowledgement, but all the fucking dirt collected under your collective mm -hmm. spikes as a family? Have, mm -hmm. like, has that started to fucking sink in yet at all? Yeah, uh, definitely. Like, I mean, you guys know it's, it's a, it's a collective effort. Like uh, there's so, so much that goes into it, not just for an individual season, but when you're looking at an entire career, like how'd you get there? And um, the people that we were all able to share that day with are the ones that got me, you know, to, to where I needed to be and, uh, and to where I was that day or to where I am right now. And um it truly means the world. I know I said this a few times, but it's because I mean it. Like it's it's it was an incredible uh, opportunity just to have everybody there um, after everything we've all been through throughout uh, the last year, and uh, it, it's absolutely a collective effort. So it was amazing to see, um, you know, people get the recognition that they deserve, and, and the, you know they're the ones that have made all this possible. Uh, my my parents, my brother. Um, my girlfriend, my agents, everybody, man. And 
I, I know I said it a couple of times, but I, I can't thank them enough. So it's, it's nice to be able to kind of reflect on that. And I know that they're doing the same thing. Um, and it's nice for them to do that because they deserve it. Yeah. A lot of people were actually, and, and I don't want to take the credit here, but a lot of people were giving me credit for um, like, I had an awesome seat for the announcement and I gave it up uh-huh. uh, so that your girlfriend could sit there. And like, I don't, I don't need you to say you mean this one you. right here, this right next yeah, to me. Yeah. Originally she, she was like off to the side and like, I was sitting pretty close to that seat on your right there. And I was like, you know what? She I should probably that. sit that was, here and like, that's fine. That Whatever. Not a big deal. One of the best or coolest moments for me though, being there. And I don't know if you've gone back and watched like the tape of the announcement. But when you get named Cy Young Award winner, your parents like held hands behind your back. They were like, hey, we fucking did it. Like that was like for me, like when I think back to like the announcement, that's what I think about. Like that was the cool, I don't know if you saw that or felt it because I'm sure your brain was numb at that point. But like that was totally fucking cool. Yeah, I was all over the place. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. I I had no idea, but that is, is a special moment it just you know speaks volumes to they they sacrificed so so much to to get it um you know not only themselves to this point but they've helped me get uh myself to this point and uh like i said they they absolutely deserve it they deserve so much more and you know hopefully there's more to come but that's special i'll I'll go back and look at that and uh yeah i'll ask them about it yeah it was it was really cool and i i mean again i was I might have been overserved. I remember you asking were, you, you. You were you were absolutely overserved. No and one okay. celebrates other people's pinnacle achievements harder than I do. Like I just <laughs> like that's the one thing that you can count on me for. If you do something awesome, I'm gonna fucking celebrate it. Um, it. But I I remember asking you like, hey, Cy Young Award, like what's what's the gift that you're gonna give to yourself? And I think you answered, but I have no idea what you said. Yeah, me neither. I know I answered though. Um, <laughs> but I guess, I don't know, we're, we're moving into this house in a couple days. Um, so we got, we got time to think. Um, obviously that can be an expensive process and a lengthy yeah. one, yeah. but uh, so we're, we're going to see where the budget's at after that. You know, um, yeah, I think, I think some, some sorts of bonuses. Um, I mean, I'm still on my rookie contract, so yeah. Um, those matter everything everything adds up and uh mm-hmm. I'll, uh I'll I'll reassess and hopefully get ourselves something nice yeah that's right are just you, keep, are you I'll, I'll keep you updated though yeah let me know yeah, like, exactly. let me know if I can offer my expertise in any what, areas what are we uh what are, what are we getting the backstops what are we getting the suggestion boxes has that been a oh has that gosh. been a thought because obviously obviously there's other folks to take care of you know 100 has, has, um, has that been something you've been open to open to suggestions privately um because they absolutely you know that's another group of people that um have a lot to do with with everything and uh like i i mentioned um in that you know live interview like those guys are the best i truly believe that we have the best catching core um in the league and i've been fortunate enough to to have been with these guys for since i've came up so um they they're incredible they teach me so much on a day-by-day basis and uh they absolutely should be included in in the celebration yeah i thought that that was cool that you you took the time in in your moment to shout them out by name it wasn't even just like yeah there's so many people that i want to thank but like i'm i'm caught up in the moment and i can't think of names it's like no you were like bam 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 just like naming off like sandy and perez and those dudes but uh yeah and, and i that's one of those things like uh 
I mean, I was rambling, like just diarrhea mouth. But, uh, <laughs> and so, so the first name came out and then I, in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I got, I got to go everybody. So I, I went down the list and uh, I'm glad I did. I, I was uh, in shock obviously and, and kind of numb, like you said, but um, those guys absolutely deserve to be shouted out. Yeah. Who, who's the one person that was like, really cool that they reached out after like you weren't expecting to hear from them like maybe like a like a high school teammate or like someone that you haven't heard from in forever it was like hey man congrats and you were just like oh shit that's fucking cool that they reached out um there's there was a lot man there was a lot um there's some very very special people um and and obviously people i'm I'm extremely close to cleb sent me uh an awesome text message and um uh marley from revolution my boys at revolution and uh so you know so many other guys i'm a bunch are slipping from from uh, my memory but um tough to tough to just place one name at the top there's i just appreciate everybody that reached out Mm -hmm. i don't hate that you said uh you're moving into this new house in whatever it is three days Um, yeah hopefully have you scouted? Cause this is important. This is important. This is like, a, it going? it's like a statement piece. Have you scouted out where the Cy Young award is going to go in your new home? Yeah. Uh, we got, we got a spot. I know, uh, I'm going to have a, I don't know, hopefully like, a. we were talking a link about this, right. Uh, like a game room memorabilia, just a, a, a dude room and, uh, it's going to go somewhere in there and it's going to be front and center um you know maybe above or below the the ted williams bat uh but i'm gonna have to establish a a real nice security system before i put all that stuff up for sure yeah yeah let's make sure to get some (laughs) bells first things first yeah we're not we're not letting anyone just like watch walk in and put their grubby hands on it uh you said (laughs) like are you a memorabilia guy like are there are there pieces that you have like from this season that you kept like hats like spikes or what's the significance behind any of those yeah, uh, absolutely. There's there's a bunch of stuff, and I'm fortunate enough to to be able to put aside a bunch of stuff, you know. And um, that's one of those things that I I trust other guys that have been there and done that. Um, especially our our head clubhouse manager Tony Amato, all the all these guys that that know what what I'm supposed to do because I'm you know my brain's going a, a thousand miles a minute. Um, when some of this stuff happens, so they're like, Hey, give me your cleats, give me your glove, this and that. We're going to authenticate them, uh, and just give you the option. And so I appreciate them for that truly pros, pros. And, um, so there's, there's a a few, I have a few options to run through to be able to display some nice things. And, and obviously throughout the, the, the process of a major league career, uh, you get the opportunity to play with some special, special people that will, have their names engraved in the game for a long time. So uh, the, the goal is to continue to um, meet them, talk to them and, and, you know, maybe collect some memorabilia from them, from them as well. So uh, hopefully by the end of the playing career, that's going to be a nice big wall full of, uh, you know, special, special uh, items. Yeah. Oh, you're, I, you're, you're well, you're well on your way, my friend. <laughs> I, I want to know, I'm curious because you, you are, you are such a competitor. And you are so driven. And I think at times, because you're such a nice dude as well, and you're authentic, that the, the ferocity with which you approach getting better and succeeding with can kind of get lost. I'm not saying you're soft. I'm not calling you a soft-ass bitch. I'm just saying <laughs> you're a nice dude. But how, 
How do you put all that shit aside that we just talked about and get right back to work? How do you go about that? Um, I, honestly, man, like it comes kind of natural for me. I, I feel like it always has. Like I've always <clears throat> um, felt that chip on my shoulder and wanted to continue to to prove people wrong and to continue to get better. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, this, this was all great to, to celebrate and reflect on, but we didn't win the last game of the season. So there's always a chance to get, to get better. There's always another milestone to, to look forward to and to work towards. And that's what uh, I've started to do over the past week or, or so. And uh, you know, it's like, how, what's your next goal? What's, what's most important to you? And I think any player would, would answer that question with winning a world series championship. So um yeah I just need to continue to get better and uh continue to put in the work and trust that it's all gonna work out and um you know hopefully it will knowing knowing that you play obviously a big part in what happened this year for your team we talk about the amount of starts that you made how many times your team won in those starts those conversations aren't the same over 162 how do you identify what you need to do specifically to get better because you only have so much say in quote unquote winning that last game of the season right so Mm -hmm. what if anything have you identified about your work from this past season that you say to yourself look babes if if we're going to get better brother if we want another one of these little fiestas after the season on top of winning that last game this is what we got to do let's go to work what is it yeah it's it's, it's tough to identify sometimes, but I think that's what, um, you, you're able to use your resources around you for. And there's, you know, people within the, the Indians organization, people, you know, my trainer back home and, um, my friends, my buddies that are in pro ball and, uh, you know, my teammates, like it's, it's what you communicate about, like, Hey, where can I get better? What can I use to work on my back leg load and this and that, like, obviously you always want to get bigger, faster, stronger, um and and then that's an that's an aspect that you can put a put to the side right now that's what you're building up but that will always be a a progression and then looking forward to next year it's like uh what do I want to do with my slider what do I want to do uh you know do I want to change the shape how do I improve efficiency uh, or consistency with it and that's one of the things that I'm um gonna try and work on this offseason because it kind of it was good at points um but I, I never felt too comfortable with it I obviously relied heavily on, on uh, a curveball and a that cutter. That's scary. That's scary. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but like if you ask, um, you know, when I came up in 18, everybody's like, oh, it's a slider. It's a slider. And obviously my curveball has continued to develop, which is great. So I'm going to put that in the back pocket and, um, and, and focus on how I can best um, complement that pitch and how I can get something that looks similar, but to go a different way. And, uh, there's there's a million ways to continue to get better. It's just a matter of identifying them and, and going after them. There was a there was an SNL skit a few years ago uh, about like the five timers club, where I think like it was Justin Timberlake's like five, fifth time hosting SNL, and he walks in and like everyone that's ever hosted five times in there with their smoking jackets and their whiskey. <laughs> if if there were a similar room that you could walk in with every single Cy Young award winner. And now you have access to this room. You can go in there and it's an exclusive club. Who's the first guy you're going up to and, and chatting up could be dead, dead or alive, dead or alive. Well, 
I'm going to get some camera time. So I'll probably go up to Trevor Bauer because he'll have his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just it. to get nice and comfortable. Yeah. Uh, maybe go to the bar and get some juice in me and, yeah. and then get comfortable. And then I'll, I'll go to my heroes uh, and guys that uh, you've watched. I watched pitch growing up. So um, I guess that would be the easy answers. Well, who's, who's the, who's the non Trevor Bauer guy? Uh, uh, probably Pedro. Yeah. Um, it's obvious answer, but it's, I mean, he's the best man. So I feel like that's attainable. Um, Have you, have you ever met him before? Uh, I haven't. Well, yeah, I did over, um, over an interview with, with MLB network. He's awesome. He's hilarious. Um, and you know, hopefully many more conversations. Oh, was that, was that, was that you? That he was interviewing when he was like, shit, I, I won the uh, all-star game MVP and they didn't give me a truck. Like, you got to hook him up with a truck. I th- I, yeah, it was. It was me. I, <laughs> I owe you guys a truck and yeah. I owe Pedro. So I got three on my on my tag. Yeah, hey, these, these awards are getting expensive for you, yeah. my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm losing money. <laughs> yeah, it all adds up at some point. Yeah, I remember that. he was like, yo, like I was, I was like the MVP of the most iconic all-star game of this generation. hundred percent. I was like, you absolutely d- deserved the, yeah, uh, a sidestep Silverado. Um, but uh, saying, it's funny. Sandy said the same thing to me. He was like, what? You know, I can't say exactly what he said, but he's like, what yeah. that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is he, like the go ahead Homer in Cleveland. Um, yeah. But you know, he, they were both fired up. So, yeah. I don't hate that at all. I would say like now that you're in this exclusive club, um, like your, your name goes on the same list as a Pedro Martinez, but like, I, I was trying to get you to say something all fucking morning. Like the morning of the announcement, I was like, just, just say it. Like, you're going to win. Just say it. Like, no, 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 no. Like, no, like that's not me. And I'm like, dude, like, it's not a matter of if you're going to win or not. It's a matter of if it's unanimous. And it ended up being unanimous. But, like, no, you, you stuck to it. You're like, honestly, like, I'm just, I'm just happy to, to be considered, blah, 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 blah. But how, how no. cool was it to hear the word yes. unanimous? That's, that's what we want to know. Yeah. Yeah, that was special. That was, like, the only word I could get back out of my mouth because you guys yeah. know um, – <laughs> Like it was, it was, it was a weird setup. Like I had my AirPods in cause they didn't want to hear any echoes. And I'm like, well, how, how are the people around me going to, going to hear, um, you know, what's going on. So when they said, uh, when they announced it, it said your AL 2020 AL Cy Young award winner from the Cleveland Indians. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's when I was like, I took a step back a little bit and I, I put my hands on my mom and, uh, and my girlfriend carried his legs and then like still nobody really knew what was going on. I just go like, wow. Yeah. It was awkward for a second. And then I was like, we did it. And then I said, unanimous. That was yeah. really the only thing I could get out. Um, because that's one of the words that while they were still talking in my ear and I was freaking out, um, that was one of the words that resonated with me. So I repeated it, but that, obviously it's, it's special. Um, truly incredible to be able to look back on and, and, uh, you know, everybody that keeps reaching out, um, which I, I truly appreciate. They, uh, they always include the unanimous. So it's, it's pretty special. Um, well, that means to, something to everybody. Though. Yeah, that means absolutely. Something. That means that, that, that's a, it, you, you call it a feather in your cap, whatever it is. Look, I, I had some amazing conversations with, uh, with Padre Beebs and Madre Beebs. And that was one of the things that, that your mom 
really, really hit on and really touched on and, and really drove home was like, like, I just don't know if people understand how hard this kid works and, and how much he loves what he does, but how much he puts in to what he does and how serious he is about that. And that's why, you know, I, 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 I give you the shit that I do because you are, you're, you're a great dude. You're a great time. You're great to hang out with. You treat everybody around you with the utmost respect. And at times that can be perceived differently because not right. everybody is in the gym with you. Not everybody can, can spot you and not everybody right. sees the sweat and, and hears the, the energy, you know? So I, I know that that unanimous means something because it's almost a reflection of all of that shit. Right. Right. And I, I look back on that time in quarantine um, where yeah. everybody's like, Hey, I'm going home and we, we don't know when the season's going to start. If we're going to even have a season. I, I mean, at that, when it first all happened and, and unraveled and they said, all right, spring training's canceled. I know opening day was supposed to be in like five days or something, but uh, y'all go home and, and be safe and we'll update you. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, like two, three, four weeks, maybe, I don't know. Um, I'll just go back and stay ready. And it ended up being a hell of a lot longer than that. But uh, went back to Santa Barbara and, and all we had to do was work, you know, that's, right. uh, that's how you filled your day. And there's so many people that, that went into that as well. We had a tremendous group. Um, I know I mentioned it to a few people. I forget if I mentioned it to you guys, but my buddies back in Santa Barbara that are in pro ball as well. We all shacked up together um, yeah. and, and just grinded it out, man. And, and just waited and played the waiting game. And, and it was, uh, it was extremely special because some of those guys um, that, you know, we all pushed each other and they, and they pushed, pushed me, uh, they knew they weren't going to have a season uh, in the minor leagues. And, uh, but they're, they're out there grinding and pushing each other and pushing me just because what else are you going to do, man? You're going to put the work in to get better for this season, next season, whatever it may be. And uh, I, yeah, that's kind of what I just think back on. And um, I feel like that put me in a good position to kind of hit the ground running going into the season. Are, are we here right now? If that move doesn't happen, if you don't make that investment and it's not a monetary investment, it's a dedication investment, right. right? And you're lucky enough to have other dudes who are thinking along the same lines as you. We're getting better regardless if we're going to cash out this year or not. Right. Our boys getting better. Like we're all here driven, same focus. Are we sitting yeah, here right um, now having this conversation? If you don't make, I'd noise? like to say yes, because that's kind of like our focus in the off season as well. But if, if, you know, all circumstances, uh, you know, staying the same with quarantine and all that stuff. If we don't, if we don't do that, then probably not. I can't say for sure. Um, it, it would be, you know, it could have been a different outcome. And, uh, but that, that's, that's kind of how I feel like an athlete best operates. It's not, um, I, I guess it's like, how are you going to uh, steer away from failure? How are you going to mm -hmm. continue to um, be successful? And, uh, uh, it, it wasn't about trying to reach a specific goal. It was more about you continuing to just climb upwards, whether that's uh, from a strength aspect, from a pitching aspect, from an athleticism, whatever it may be, just continue to get better and you'll put yourself in a good spot. So I don't know if you knew this, 
but um, Dallas threw a he threw a perfect game in Major League Baseball. Yeah, and yeah. I've uh, I've asked him, you know, like at what point are you kind of like looking up at the scoreboard and realizing what's going on? Like eventually, it hits you at some point. Some guys earlier, some guys later. On the same, it's a broader spectrum here. But at, was there any point during the course of the season where you're like, I got a shot at the Cy Young Award? Like, I'm not just having a good year. Like, this could be like a Cy Young year. Um, yeah, there was there's a few points, but then that's where like that uh, Dallas might you know say soft ass bitch, but that's where that <laughs> like that's where that switch in my head was like it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, like you gotta continue to go forward. Um, and so if you get caught up in thinking about what you've done or or what you're looking forward to or uh, you know what could potentially be waiting for you in the future, I think at least in my opinion for me. Uh, that doesn't help me. And so that's when I kind of just shut that little light off and I just continue to <clears throat> try and focus on each game. You know, I know it's cliche and shit, but yeah. uh, I truly well, how, believe that that makes uh, an athlete or, or well, at least it makes me better. How many starts in are we talking though? Cause wasn't it like five starts in, you would like set the record for most <laughs> strikeouts through five starts or something yeah, like yeah, that. It was like like you were breaking three, records every the start. first three innings. It was a done deal. Yeah. <laughs> the first three. Um, no, I don't know. There was, I mean, in such a short season, obviously it's a different time, but I was getting but even, tagged in even Twitter posts and all that. Regardless of like the length of the season, when they start like most strikeouts through five starts, it doesn't matter how long the season is. Like everyone right. starts out the season getting five starts. Like you were breaking records regardless of how long the season was. So right. like, are you seeing that on social media? Like, are you a, are you a turn it off social media guy during the season? Or are you kind of like in between starts, like looking at what's being said? Um, I'll, I'll like go through, I kind of got a little bit OCD, so I'll get rid of my notifications and stuff, but mm -hmm. I don't look too far into it or like read the comments or like search my name or nothing. Um, I was like kind of a, I was a weirdo. My, uh, my roommates can attest to this in college. Like I wouldn't, I went from, uh, you know, reading everything and being like consumed in that, right. Like my freshman year to, I, I realized, you know, and with some like, uh, Ken Revisa teachings, like, mm -hmm. this is not, that do it doesn't matter, you know? And so I went kind of like total opposite end, like don't even mention anything um, kind of to the point where I was, I was being a dick or something, but uh, <laughs> now I feel like I found that happy medium and um, it's, it's always a growing process. And especially in the major leagues, there's so many things thrown at you. So I'm continuing to learn and, and develop with it. But um no, I'm kind of, I kind of found that happy medium, so I don't pay too much attention to it, but I'm, I'm in tune. I just, I just want to point out for the, for the young folks that are listening to this, the young athletes that are listening to what, what you just said right now, Shane, about turning that light bulb off and not allowing that to affect you baseball specifically, because it's so long and it is that marathon. It's not that sprint. Those are the things that, that that's a prime example of staying even keeled. You're going to hear your coaches and shit talk about that. Don't get too high emotionally. Don't get too low emotionally. And though you started out on the hot streak you were on, it would have been very easy to get caught up in that and what that could mean, especially in a condensed season. Because, yeah, everybody makes their first five starts, but if we're looking at the calendar, you only got about six or seven more of these some bitches left. So we're, we're making some headway here very quickly. To be able to, and I would have loved, loved to have been able to perform that way. 
that's not who I was. I was emotional and I had to go that route so that I could go out there and compete with the guys who were just so much better than I was. And I think every athlete strives to find that mind space, to find that headspace, And that, that brought a smile to my face to hear that because you have such a natural comprehension of how important that is. So I just wanted to point that out because for the young kids who are listening to this, who want to celebrate their four for five, and then like would, you know, cut their grandmother's oxygen cord if they went over four the next day, like you can't, you can't live life like that. You can't, you can't live in this game like that. So to hear that come from the mouth of a 25 year old Cy Young winner is so refreshing. Yeah, I appreciate it. But also to your point, I, I think there is so much benefit to being able to play with emotion and oh, a lot absolutely. of guys thrive off that, you know? So that's not to say that that's not the way to go. And I, I've <clears throat> continued to try to like, get more into certain moments in the game. And I feel like I, sh I've continued to show a little bit more emotion uh, each and every start and each year, because that absolutely helps. That absolutely helps athletes as well. But I think it's that, that point where, um, yeah, things are going well in the season and you're getting with social media, the way it is nowadays, you're getting tagged and stuff left and right. And it's like being able to, to look at it and like, yeah, that's, that's cool or whatever, but I, it, you know, I got to continue to move forward. That that happened already. And what I do next is either going to make that better or make that worse. So mm -hmm. I'm going to focus on what what's next. So uh, you win the Cy Young Award at like, call it 4, 430. And then you have a few hours to celebrate with your friends and your family and your girlfriend, your agents. About four hours after that, Trevor Bauer walks through the door. Yep how cool is it to like, you know, you have your moment, like you get to celebrate, like that's your moment. And then after you have some time to let that breathe, then the icing on the cake is like, Hey, my friend, my former teammate, a guy that has like taught me things and, and take me under his wing. Like now he's here and he's got the same piece of hardware that I do. It's mm -hmm. not like yeah. we're celebrating this achievement together now. Like how cool is that to be able to like have that moment on top of everything else that you got to have that day? Yeah, it was, it was extremely special. And just to kind of like interconnect the last two things we talked about, like Trevor's a guy that operates a little bit differently. He's like, Hey, mm -hmm. I want that. And I'm going to yep. go get that. You know, he's not afraid to talk about it, which is great. So, uh, you know, that being said, like to each their own, you know, but it was, it was extremely special to, uh, share that moment with Trevor. I know how hard he's he's worked and how much he's put into this. Um, and just like, you know, you guys do as well. And uh, he's extremely deserving, not just because of how he performs on the field, but how he is not afraid to help uh, grow the game and help um, other people around the league and, and other pitchers on opposite teams uh, with their delivery or what, whatever it may be. You know, he's not afraid to um, be a positive influence on the game of baseball. And I think that's special. And uh, obviously he put it, he puts in the work and he puts in the work on the field and, uh, that showed this year and um, you know, it's going to continue to show. So it was special for him to be able to come join us even for a brief moment. Uh, I know I enjoyed that as well as you guys. Yeah. I just, he, I think he walked in the door and I, I was, I just like walked right up to him, just like hugged him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It just, it does. It goes to show, it goes to show the kind of relationship that you guys had developed and that I think we like to see permeate throughout the game. The, the, 
older individual taking care of the younger individuals who are asking questions, who possess the tools, just want the knowledge. And when you combine those, you get, you get what I got to witness, what we all got to witness, but that's kind of how I looked at it just as, you know, as a guy who's I'm no longer playing, haven't been playing for a while, but I get to see an older guy like Trev have the impact he's had on you. And to think that we're in the same room, celebrate, celebrating and acknowledging the successful transfer of that knowledge and of those beliefs. That's kind of how I looked at it. Like young dude tools dominating older guy tools dominating. They've had a direct impact on each other and we're here in that same moment celebrating it all. So yeah, that was, that was very awesome, dude. Um, on the morning of the announcement, I put the odds at minus one ten that Justin ah, would congratulate you. Uh, he didn't, which disappointed me greatly. I thought no. that was like a done deal that he was going to at least send out a tweet or something. Um, was there, was there any type of like celebrity or like a, uh, athlete in a different sport? Like someone that like shouted you out where you were like, Oh, cool. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, a couple of Browns guys, uh, Baker, um, it, it was one of them. I, obviously, I said those Revolution guys, but really just people that uh, I, I'm, I'm close with. And um, you know, that, that means the world to me. And uh, that's really what's most important is people that uh, have helped get me here and, um, you know, relationships that have developed over the past few years and, and knowing that they played a part in it. So, uh, and it was cool to just have those uh, hometown Cleveland guys reach out as well. Uh, that's always special. So um, be going to a Browns game here pretty soon, hopefully. Yeah. So that, so that was going to be, that was going to be my last question for you is um, you're now a card carrying member. You know what I mean? You're a card carrying member of a very special club. <laughs> um, if, if that card could get you into anywhere, into anything, the audience of anybody, whatever it is when you play on that card and to get what I would play it ASAP just to go to a friggin' concert, man. Mm. Like, uh, <laughs> for sure. Everything being shut down, obviously for good reason. But, uh, I just been thinking over the last couple of weeks, I'm like, man, I'm Jones in for to, to go to a concert or something. Mm. Yeah. Uh, just enjoy some live music. Maybe it, if I'm being specific, I'd love to go to red rocks. Sure. Um, oh my God. How that's my number one. Um, so hopefully we'll, we'll make that happen sometime soon. Maybe we'll do it together. Hell yeah. I oh, love yes. that. All right. We're going to let you get out of here. I'm sure you get a million other fucking interviews to do. Uh, congrats <laughs> on the new house. Congrats yeah. on the Cy Young award. Thank you again for having us there. I don't know when the video is going to drop, but I heard it's coming along pretty nicely and that it's going to be pretty badass. So I'm excited for you to see that. Um, uh, but again, congratulations. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch. Our people will, we'll talk to your people. I, I appreciate it, guys. I'm fired up for the video, too. Um, thanks for having well, me. It's going to be time, as always. Three-timer. Three-timer on the podcast. Wow. Who, you guys got to text me who's, uh, who's leading in appearances, and then we'll, we'll get to work. It's Yelly. Yelly's like a five-timer. Yelly, okay. yeah, Yelly's borderline. He's borderline correspondent at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. You guys, yeah. Uh, we got some ground to make up. So yeah, we'll, we do. In due time. We'll get to work. All right, All right guys. Be good. Big shout out to Shane Bieber for coming on the podcast again. That is what his third. He's a three timer. Three timer timer. Um, I love that. Uh, shout out to the Biebs. Um, but also 
we got to give a little shout out to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Yeah, we've got a we've got a big time, big time coming up. It's holiday season time. Holiday season comes festivities that that can you know cloud our judgment at times. Well, we got to be better than that. And from November 16th to the 29th of this year, state and local law enforcement agencies across the nation are stepping up their enforcement efforts for motorists who aren't wearing their seatbelts. Look, we've all said it. We're all guilty of it at times. I'm not going very far, right? I'm, I'm in a rush. I was in a hurry, whatever. Look, don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not strapping it in. Gotta buckle up. No excuse. If you used any of those other excuses that I just mentioned, we understand not only you're putting yourself at risk, but anybody else in the car, somebody else on the road. Like, it's just it's just not a great idea. 2018, nearly 10,000 people, 10,000 people, folks, were unbuckled when they were killed in car crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing their seatbelt. That's, that's, that's horrible. And no matter what kind of ride you're whipping around, doesn't matter. Wearing your seatbelt is always... Always the best defense in a crash. Always. Even when you sit in the back seat, strap it on. I know what you're thinking. Oh, I got a seat in front of me. My head will bounce right off that thing. I'll be fine. No, no, that's what we're trying not to have happen. All right. Just buckle the fuck up. They save lives. Do the smart thing. Buckle up. Every trip, super simple, takes four seconds. Click it or ticket. It. It's not about citations, it's about saving lives. 2018. 9,778 unbuckled passenger vehicle occupants killed in crashes in the United States. So to help prevent crash fatalities, we need everybody to help step up the seatbelt enforcement. Every day, every night. Please, click it or ticket, strap it in. You deserve to see tomorrow. You know, one of the things in the uh, Shane Bieber interview that I found interesting or not. I mean, obviously, it's interesting. One of the things that I thought was pretty cool was he mentioned the text exchange that he had with Clev. Uh, and obviously, Mike Clevenger is in the news as well this week because of the the double whammy. And obviously, if you're a baseball fan, you know, <laughs> you know what the double whammy is. I texted him and I was like, I don't know whether to say congrats or fuck. Like I, 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 like it was so weird to see the Padres in the same tweet. It was the same tweet. Oh, by the way, uh, two year extension for Mike Clevenger. This is awesome. Oh, by the way, he's he's uh, he's also getting Tommy John surgery. It's like, how do you put that so, in the same tweet? Like, why don't well, you spread that news out? I, well, let, me, I, let me help you. Let me help you. Go this is how you yeah. gotta look at it. This is how you gotta look at it. It's the second one. Okay, not a fan of that. No, but they're taking care of him. He, so you're pos- you're you're happy about that? They're taking care of him, and that is them identifying not only a guy that they feel like they can they can obviously use, but he's a decent enough dude that they're more than willing to go that route with him. And and it's a guy that you want to keep happy, right? And then you look at the fact that having already been through one before feeling what he was feeling for him to say, you know what? I think I'm more confident in getting this thing taken care of right now. Cause I know I'll be able to come back. I know what I have ahead of me. Y'all know who I am as far as how I work and how I prepare. 
So there's no question about that. Let's get that done. So that makes me, if I'm looking to be optimistic about this, and if I want my glass to be more than half full, when I'm looking at that tweet right there, these are the things that I want to remind myself of if I'm a Padres fan is, okay, they committed to pay him for a year that he's not going to pitch. Why? Because he's going to be good for us that second year. Okay, sounds great. Um, they're obviously confident in it because they've made that commitment. He's made the commitment to himself in his career by making the decision early enough to say, we're not going to try to rehab through this and see what it feels like. And No, they've made the commitment to me. I can make the commitment to them through rehab and getting back so that I can perform. So while digesting that tweet is a lot because it's like, okay, he's on our team, but really is he for how long? And does it mean we're only going to get him for a year? And or half what's that a year going to look like? Right. So there's, there's all of that. There's all of that. But if you boil it all down, think about 25 plus starts that you're going to have Mike Clevenger for. And you hope it's going to be of impact. And by all accounts, it should be. It should matter. So, look, enjoy him being a shiny cheerleader for 2021. And then enjoy him being the warrior that would go out on his shield for you in 2022. That's who you're getting. That's what you're getting. So, uh, for you, you know, you've, you've had your fair share of, uh, whether it be you or friends of yours that have had surgeries and injuries of that nature. Um, one of the things, like the first thing that I thought of when I saw the news that he was getting TJ was how he came back to pitch in the postseason, And we were told that he could not do any further damage in doing so. Like mm-hmm. it was a pain tolerance thing. That doesn't feel right to me today because if you knew the damage was done to where, like, this guy needs TJ, first of all, uh, the season ended three weeks ago. So why the announcement now? If you knew back then what the injury was that he needed TJ back then, uh, why wouldn't you just not have him start and then get him on the operating table back then in October and it just leads me to believe that the whole like, oh, he if he goes out there now, he can't do any further damage. Like, I feel like that can't be true. Well, that's probably why they're going through that process of seeing what it feels like going through the rehabilitation, because if it's, you know, a grade one strain, grade two strain, grade three strain, grade three, complete and full tear these two portions of the ligament are no longer connected whatsoever. We're going to have to tie these motherfuckers back together like a, like a shoelace. Grade two, hanging on by a thread. Grade one, there's some tears, there's some fissures, if you will, there's some fraying, and we're going to try to strengthen around it. And depending on what your pain tolerance is through all three of those levels of strain is where you're going. Like, that's how you grade this out. So when a guy tells you that he's not hurting or he feels like he can give you what you're getting and not hurt himself anymore, them trying to see if he can work through it, that could be something that that might tell you, hey, you know what? Maybe it wasn't hurt as bad. But if you look at it from the other angle, you could say, hmm, 
I wonder I wonder if the Padres are so quick to pay for that year of rehab, knowing they're not going to get him, because maybe they didn't nail that assessment that he couldn't do any more harm to himself. And so they're like, look, yeah, you know what? Hindsight, you know, we, we don't want to say we feel bad about that, but wasn't ideal. Didn't work out for everyone the way we would have liked it to. So we have no problem paying for the rehab. We have no problem bringing you back, multi-year deal, whatever. That could be a thing, too. The only thing you have to consider is Mike Clevenger is a part of the conversation when they're telling him this is where your arm's at, this is where damage could be done, this is where damage couldn't be done, and only he would know, one, if that conversation was had, and two, how that conversation went, because he, just like a former teammate of his in Trevor Bauer, could probably be bleeding out on the mound from his hand, from his pitching hand, and look at you and go, I'm fucking fine. Leave me in. I, I can get this done. Trevor, there's I mean, blood Sabathia on the ball. literally did that. Right. Well, I mean, I'm talking about Bauer, too, right? Is uh, the, the, the whole drone bullshit. Toronto, yeah. Yeah, like he's, he's like dying on the ball. Like, you're getting ready to pass out, guy. Like, you can't fucking stay out here. I think you need a fucking no, I'm fine. right now. I'm, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be totally fine. <laughs> like, so, depending on how that conversation went with Clev and the training staff and, and what they settled on, that that's where your answer lies on whether or not the damage that could have been done was going to lead to this or if they were already here and it was something that they felt later down the road like at this point they could work around and maybe they tried to do that and they have arrived on the answer that that wasn't going to get it done either so collectively we've put our heads together again and we're getting this taken care of yeah. I mean, obviously, I hope for the best uh, speedy recovery to Clev. It just fucking sucks because, you know, the whole hype around the Trevor Bauer free agent pursuit being like, hey, go to San Diego, link back up with Clev. And it's like, well, now that's that's not going to be a thing, especially. I mean, I still I'm I'm shifting back to I don't actually think Bauer is going to sign a one year deal, but positive spin. Here's your positive spin. What? Trevor Bauer gives the world what they want and has to get his ball shot off with a paintball gun because mm. he's signed a multi-year deal in San Diego to reunite with Clev year two. Mm. And that's going to be one of the first three or four years that Trevor spins in San Diego. Mm. Spin zone. Come on, think, you want you optimism. Know what, you know you want your glass half full. There you go. going to try and pull a fast one and be like, I think he's going to sign a one-year deal. And then like agree to an extension like halfway through the season. So it's like, no, I said if I I said I wouldn't sign a multi year deal as a free agent. I was not a free agent. I feel like that's what that motherfucker is gonna do. Yeah, I could see that. I could absolutely see that happening. And then and then go, okay, well, you know what? He shows up with a uh, like a PE bag full of balls. He's like, Go ahead, fire away. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Well, no, I bought these. Here's the receipt. These yeah, are my balls. These are my balls. Shoot them as much as you would like to do that. <laughs> Have at it. Empty that hopper. Oh, man. Um, CBDMD, though, like that was something that I needed to reach for when I saw the club news. Wasn't happy about it. Uh, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. 
being a pseudo uh, Padres fan. Nah, I'm a club fan, and I'm also digging what they've got going on in San Diego. But oh, just Clev? Is that the only guy you're a fan of there in San Diego? Is that the only guy? That's the only guy that comes to mind right did now. Did you for see you? the uh, the Adidas ad that they put out with Fernando Tatis Jr.? I did. Did you see Fernando Tatis Jr. getting punched out in uh, in the Dominican? Oh yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I I mean I scrolled past it because I saw that he swung and missed, and I was like, why would he po- post that himself? I didn't understand the that content. shit's hard, bro. You ever play that? That shit's hard. I mean, yeah, yeah. Baseball's hard. Sports are hard. It doesn't matter if what? you're a professional athlete, a stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in an uncomfortable office chair. Everyone needs support to make it through the day. And luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo of topical products that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. Oh. CBD freeze. This is. So the CBD freeze is uh, my best friend because when I was in Arizona, when I was in Arizona, I went to go get a massage uh, the morning. I think, was it the morning? I think it was like Saturday morning. I don't know. I was I was in a, I was in rough shape after Wednesday. So I got a massage and usually every time I've gotten a massage in my life, it's always felt great. But like, where are you going to get a massage in Arizona? Um, I can get you the name of the place. I mean, I'm pro- I'm good. I think I'm I'm probably good. It was a good time. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I I got a massage and I, and like normally they're they're supposed to feel good, but this massage felt like it was. I mean, it was like a, a like a way that you would get like a terrorist to speak. I was like, I don't. It, it hurt really bad. Like my my back, my neck, all messed up. Point you of me telling you that is because CBD freeze. Huh. With the menthol, it's an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient, easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. I'm a roller guy. Yeah, I'm I don't have a squeeze guy. tube. Um, CBD Recover combines CBD with the blood flow-enhancing compound. Oh. Uh, you got that one. Histamine dihydrochloride. Yeah! <laughs> To temporarily relieve minor aches and pains Woo-hoo! and give you support you need where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners, that is you, the grounds crew, 25% off your next order when you use the promo code STARTING9 at checkout. Ooh. Once again. That is cbdmd.com, promo code STARTING9. That's one word, STARTING9, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD. Um, we got to go through this list. I mean, we've, we've mentioned some of these names in, in prior podcasts, but the top five, top ten free agent destination predictions for, for some of these free agents out there um, – this is according to the predictions for Fangraphs readers. So they went through the top 10 um, and threw together some predictions. And I guess we can we can place where we think they're going to go. But we'll tell you what the predictions were for years and dollars. JT Realmuto, we got a number one here. And it's five years, 110. I think he stays in Philly. I think he stays in Philly, and I think the, that's not the best fit. And I, I said this yesterday. I think the Mets, that, that's the best fit that's for him. That's exactly where I was going to say. But I don't know 
Like I think if you're the Mets, you right now you're you're probably honed in on Bauer. You are knocking on the door of potentially a Francisco Lindor trade. And that's not a slight at JT Real Muto. I just feel like those are the top two priorities for the Mets. And I think that that will, and, and I think if you're a team that's interested in his services, you might be reading the, the, the writing on the wall here being like, well, it just kind of makes sense for him to go back to Philly. They have the need. They have Bryce Harper campaigning for it. You don't want to piss him off. Um, they have the money to do it and they can't afford after the year that they just had to take a step backwards. So I have him going back to Philly, but it would make a lot of sense if the Mets ponied up to get him. Yeah, I would love to, I, I, I would like to see him go to New York just because I think, I mean, DeGrom's not going anywhere. Sure, Stroman's only there on a year. Um, but I think there's plenty reason to be excited with Steve Cohen there. And I think that it almost feels like the Mets are like, you know what? Y'all felt like our window closed when it came to the cachet of arms that we had. We weren't able to capitalize. Well, sure, Matt Harvey, a thing of the past. Hang on. Um, Steven Matz is what he is. Wheeler. They, What's that? Wheeler. Yeah, Wheeler. Um, so it's a different – it's obviously a different group. But with maybe some money to spend, maybe an attack plan, and some guys coming up that they'd like to secure – or that that I think any team would like to secure, then yeah, JTL JT Real Muto fits because not only of what he does offensively, but then him behind the plate with that staff. Uh, but I'm with you again on the entire vibe of what message are we sending the guy we just gave 13 years to, or whatever they gave Bryce, right? 13 years, and we've told him that we're here to win. We've told him that. We'll, we'll I, think, I think it was the other way around. I think Bryce Harper told you I'm here to win with all like the deferred payments. Oh, well, I, I just mean by making that commitment. Oh, and yeah, for yes, sure. Yeah, Because yeah. we, we, we made and that was part of that was part of the point that I made with tracking Bryce Harper down and him telling you, bro, no trade. Don't need it. I want you to know what I'm all about. Don't need the no trade. And I don't need the money right now. You go and get us what we're going to need. So that that message was very clear from Bryce's standpoint, from the onset. Now, I think the Phillies have to consider what they look like or what sort of what they're doing to the relationship if they aren't making a move like this, knowing that their guy made that kind of commitment to them, their guy being Bryce Harper. So moral of the story is the Phillies don't necessarily have to sign JT, but they have to make an honest effort. Fair? Yes. I mean, they're, they're, it's funny to say this, but they would at least have to make the effort that the Nats and Rizzo made for Harper at 11.59 p.m. Here's 300 mil. Take it or leave it. What do you got? Well, I mean, if they do that, Jared, they made an effort. Mm -hmm. But the real question here is over under five years, 110. Who cares where he lands? Over under five years, 110. What do you got? Uh, I, I like five years. I think he can maybe squeeze out a couple more dollars um, for the you sake of that. He goes to 25 that AAV? War. Yeah. I don't know if it gets to 25, but the AV right now is 22. I can see him getting like 
23 and a half. Like it's going to be in the same neighborhood, but I think what it's going to boil down to is he's going to create this bidding war. And, uh, you know, because there are teams like the Phillies are in a position where it's like, we can't, we can't just like, not, we can't not make an effort here to bring him back. And then you've got the big bad Mets now who have all this money to play with and they have the need at the position. And I'm sure that they could use another bat in that lineup. So, that and and you're talking about uh, two teams in the same division where you don't want the other guy to get better than you because they're. Would you agree that going into uh, they're going to be in each other's way? Yeah, yeah, they're kind of on this in the same tier of mm-hmm. talent or yes. ability to compete. So yeah, so it's almost it's almost a twofold acquisition. Yeah, one you get better, the other and guy doesn't. By virtue of you getting better with that guy specifically that other team has gotten worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting to see what that is. Uh, Trevor Bauer, the prediction is three years, 87 million. That is an AAV of 29 million. So we're not talking Garrett Cole money. Um, I guess for me, if, if it's not one year for an average annual value, that's North of what Garrett Cole is making. If it's not one, I think it's going to be five. I don't know where, why he would sign for three. Well, here's the deal. We in any time we're talking about these, so like even on the Real Muto deal, five years, he could have an out after year two for sure, right? And and same thing for Bauer. So three years, he could have an out after he could have an out after the first fucking year, mm-hmm. right? And and so I think the negotiation with Trevor Bauer is look, I'm not going to give you that out at least until year three. So then that means we've got a five-year entertainment offer. And I think if Trevor Bauer is as staunch in his stance in not signing a multi-year deal, I know I that to be that. lip service. I don't believe well, that. that. Trust me. I don't, I think, know that I don't be- think that that's where his head is at right now. It's all about, look, dude, <laughs> he, he has to... You have to talk the talk, and then you have to walk the walk. Because in this day and age, very rarely are you given that opportunity to walk before you show anybody anything. So he has ran his mouth about how good he will be. He has been that good and has delivered on it. Now if you're talking about locking that dude down for multiple years, and if he can understand the value and and I think he's someone who if he wants the championship if he wants the ring he's going to have to you'll have to approach it one or two ways sure you can be that that rogue lone wolf hunting the contender every other year or so opting out and blah 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 or you could be a foundational piece you could be a guy that creates some stabilization that allows the team to go out and bring other stabilizing forces to join you. I, Who do you want to be? How do you want to go about it? I think I think a healthy four-year offer mm. does it for Trevor Bauer. I'm going to tell you right now what's going to happen. It just fucking slapped me right in the head. And it make like to understand what's going to happen, you have to put yourself in Trevor Bauer's head. And that's a scary place to be. Hear me out. Here's what I think. Here's what here, I don't know if this is going to happen. Here's what makes a lot of sense to me. What if 
What if Trevor Bauer signs for seven years with an opt-out after every year? Well, that, so... So, because, tr- I, so, hold on. Here's my logic. Well, I, I, I thought about this, too, but then we're getting into the weeds with opt-outs after every year. Like, like who is who is signing that deal? Who's creating that deal? Like, is that something that that's going to be offered? That's going to go down? Like, well, man. I think if so, here's because once that process. happens, Jared, now the whole free agent market completely shifts, completely shifts. It changes everything because now you're creating another tier almost of guys who are worth that option or that sort of structure. Not many guys you know, are in like, that position on. to say, hey, this is what I want, and you kind of have to honor that if you want the player. Like, coming off a Cy Young Award, is it, that's a big deal. Like, you can't I, be I like think, Johnny Slapdick and be like, hey, I want an opt-out after every year, and they're like, all right, cool, go but, fuck yourself. But what, what that does now is the player now holds the team hostage in terms of yes. roster structure moving yes. forward. Okay. Can't do that's, that. And teams, team, and what I'm saying is I don't know that teams collectively, because, oh, Jared, I'm not saying that they've colluded in the past, but I'm saying that owners are really good at figuring out what each other thinks and figuring out what the best move for the group would be and typically acting on that. Here's my logic. So if he signs, let's just call it seven years, whatever, AV of 2930, right? If, If he opts out, then that means that he just performed really well for you and you just got your money's worth because now he thinks he can make more somewhere else or maybe with you. So you're getting bang for your buck and now you're not on the hook for the later years that maybe he's not worth $29 million four years from now, but you have to pay him because you, want, you gave him this seven-year deal because you, you wanted him on your team at that point. And also, Trevor Bauer, agent of chaos, he, he, you cannot sit there and tell me that he does not love the idea of being courted as a free agent this offseason. And also, if he's not going to be a free agent, he's going to love every offseason the conversation of, will Trevor Bauer become available? Like, we don't, he has the option. If he would like to become available, he can be. So even if you're not a free agent, you can still make the deter, like you can still create the dialogue. Like if it's towards the end of the year and he's, you know, creeping up on another Cy Young award, is Trevor Bauer going to opt out? Is he going to opt out? Where is he going? If he does, he might opt out this year. Like he's going to love to create that dialogue. Sure. But you got to perform in order to get there. And you want to know what happens the first time that Trevor Bauer doesn't perform. So seven years, let's say he opts seven years. He finishes top five in the Cy Young voting next year. Mm -hmm. And is he going to opt out? Oh, no, 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 no. See, Let's play the game the way you're playing it. Mm-hmm. He obviously opts out. Not not what he mean. Does why he? is it obvious? He op- because he just was worth his money, mm-hmm. and he was ju- he was actually let's be real top five Cy Young. He probably outperformed his contract. And if that's the case, why is he going to stick around to allow an option to kick in that's not compensating him fully mm-hmm. the way a top five Cy Young finish would? So then he signs and posts a five or a four and a half, nowhere near the top 20 in Cy Young voting. Does that guy command the next four-year contract with four opt-outs? 
I don't know. I mean, he runs the a, risk of at that. At that point, if if he's coming off the season that you just said, where it's like a top five and then the four and a half, it's like okay, so like maybe it's an aberration. I would say that the larger sample over the last couple of years here has has been better than what we just saw last year. Maybe you know, maybe there's an injury that we didn't know about. Like maybe there's an explanation for this. Let's talk to him. And I don't know. I'm I'm not saying that that's what what's going to happen. I'm just trying to put myself in well, his right, head right. and think of what is the most Trevor Bauer contract that we could see and it's it's that it's that so you got him so you're obviously take so are you taking the over I'm taking then? the over on the years and multiple opt-outs it may not be every year i think that that's a little crazy but just it, just, a, just a fucking touch yeah just a little crazy um but yeah i think it could be anywhere from five to seven years with i'm taking the over on two and a half opt-outs yeah i've got i've got I've got this contract being greater than. Where do you got well, him going? How old is he? He's how old is 29? He? 30? Yeah, I've got, I've got, I, I, I liked my four-year deal. He is 29. He will be 30 in January. Yeah, I like my four-year deal. Maybe there's some vesting options in there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting either way. And uh, that's what I see happening is the the performance award, like the performance bonuses and some vesting options, because that like that's how I would counter the Trevor Bauer agent of chaos. Oh, yeah. You're that fucking good, huh? Mm. Show me. You're all about it. I'll put my money where my mouth is. You do what you think you're going to do. I'll back up the truck where you got him going. You don't do what you. Um, You have the fucking balls, Dallas. Well, that's why I dropped the San Diego comment on you is because the San Diego acquisition of Clevenger for two years is really a second half 2022 acquisition. And they've got that money spoken for. That money's taken care of. They're going to make that money up. So bringing in Trevor Bauer because they identified Clev as a guy that was going to be a very complimentary piece Mm -hmm. to what they've got going on in their rotation now. You bring a guy like Bauer in, Kind of serves that same purpose, does it not? It sure does. And I've been I've been riding hard on the Bauer to San Diego conversation and why it makes so much sense. Um, but I think ultimately, and what makes even more sense is not San Diego. It's the Dodgers. Well, that'd be nice too. Because then that would help them with uh, that. Well, that helped them figure out what they want to do with Dustin May, or maybe them figuring out what they want to do with Dustin May yeah. could help that. And financially, I mean, you're going to have to make some decisions. Like Corey Seager is coming up after next year. Uh, you're going to have to pay Bellinger at some point. Um, I, well, now that's where the options deal comes into place, right. or the opt outs come into place. Right. Like I could give Trevor Bauer a three year deal with opt out year two. See what we got. Yeah. I saw I saw Bellinger when we were in Arizona, and I asked him about like the fucking the shoulder pop thing. Apparently, he's done that like three times. Yeah, subluxation. If you subluxate, you've uh, you've been there before. You know what that feels like. Yeah. It sucks. It does happen yeah, with frequency. He knew exactly what the fuck happened. It was good to see him though. George Springer, five years, one ten. I think that that's spot on. Like that's the exact figure that I've got him going. Um I feel like this team is going to come up a lot. 
Uh, I know, I know that this fan base is aiming higher, but I think he goes to the Mets. So you like it? You like it right at? So you're not over under? No, you're I'm taking that deal. Yeah, I think he. I think he goes five years, one ten to the Mets. Five years, one twenty to the Mets. Ooh. See, I and how old is Springer? Is thirty. Twenty nine as well. He's thirty. He might even be like fucking thirty one. I don't. Um, a guy like Springer. He is thirty. Oddly enough, he's gonna be. He's thirty one. A guy like Springer. In September. Like he's had some. He's had some hammy issues. He's had some ankle issues. Um, and I'm not saying that he needs to entertain this now. But is there any thought to later in the career him becoming a DH? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. He plays. A, I mean, he plays a, a really good center field. Yeah, he does. But he's he's not he's no spring chicken. He's on the wrong side of thirty. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, again. I don't know why I'm settling on four. I feel like four is just a number I have in my head. So maybe the fifth but year I, is vesting. Sure. Um. Maybe maybe the fifth year is vesting based on a combined number of plate appearances from years three and four. Uh, what about the Giants? Would you want to go there if you're George Springer and the Mets are an option? Like, are the Giants? No. Yeah, no. I I would say that, like, there would have to be, especially with the taxes, not that New York taxes are any better, but uh, I don't think that the Giants are an attractive option to someone who also has the Mets on the table. No. Like, right now, like, like the Mets are the team where, like, it's going to be exciting to go there. There is a draw to the Mets right now. Yeah, I'm taking every bit of uh, every bit of that over the San Francisco Giants. So you got them going to the Mets. Oh, I mean, you selected the Mets. Well, if you don't have, we've the already Giants, got two out got... of the three first fucking guys here going to the Mets. Who? I got fucking. Ralbuto? I got JT going back to Philly. I got Bauer with the Dodgers, and I got Springer with the Mets. Well, I thought you. Well, I I got Ralbuto. Yeah. In the um, yeah, I, I, dude, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, just because there's so much, I, I, maybe I'm putting way too much emphasis on the DH role and whether or not I mean, that's because we're going back to what's that by the by the back end of Springer's deal, the National League will probably have the DH. Well, but we still don't know if it's going down this year or not. Right or next year? I mean, I don't think I don't think it, yeah, it's stupid. I don't think that they're gonna have it next year, but I think after that because it's all it's all gonna be part of the fucking CBA. Uh does George Springer want to play left field in Minnesota? Minnesota. Damn. No, you got him as like a like a Shannon Stewart. I don't know. I mean, who who, who do they who do they got in left field? They got. Kepler? No, Kepler's in right. Rosario? Mm. Send him to Minnesota. You want him in Minnesota. George Springer to Minnesota. That is a wild take. That is a wild take. 
I, I, I just don't know. Uh, uh, that's why I said the Giants, because they're locking up fucking Gossman. They're not locking up. He, 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 sir, he took, they offered him his deal. He signs his deal, right? Yeah. Uh, who else do they have? I don't see the Giants like, yeah, why not? Jesus Christ. All right. Sure. Sure. If if that if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. Let's get nuts. Let's get nuts with fucking DJ LeMayhew. There's three suitors here. I think it's very easy to power rank them. Uh, the prediction here is three years, $42 million. Uh, I think the cash is going to be higher. I think he probably goes for three, like with a fourth-year option. I could – yeah, I think – he gets more than three years. Maybe the fourth year is an option. Um, and 14 a year, I think he gets more than that, too. I think he probably gets like 18 over four, whatever that fucking math is. Let's see. I think the Yankees make him very comfortable. Yeah. 18 over four is 72. That seems kind of high, but whatever. Maybe it's 16. Maybe it's 16 over four. Um. Yeah, I I think it's going to be very very difficult to convince DJ LeMahieu to play anywhere but the Bronx for the next few years, um, and I know I mean if you're in the, the three team it's it's the Yankees it's the Mets and the Red Sox, and very rarely do you see a player who's still good going from the Yankees to the Red Sox it just doesn't fucking happen because the Yankees don't let their guys go. Um, I think that the Yankees also know that he was their most valuable player in in this year and last year. They're not, yeah. They're, they're under no circumstances could I see DJ LeMayhew not being in pinstripes. It would it would utterly shock me if if he went anywhere else. Yeah, I I, I don't see. They look. They're they're, they're shopping Gary Sanchez. They're they're. Once again, going to really hope that Judge and, and Stanton can play a season healthy together. And there's a guy that kind of puts your mind at ease when you're looking up and down that lineup. And DJ LeMayhew's that dude. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMayhew is that guy. Yeah, I think that's the shortest conversation that we need to have. Like, I, I, I think anything, if you say anything but the fucking Yankees, I feel like that's a hot take. Um, Marcelo Zuna, the prediction is four years, 70 million for 17 and a half per year. Um, I have, I have an interesting, but yet makes sense place that he could end up. Where's that? The Nats? Nope. I mean, the Astros are going to need somebody when George Springer leaves. You can get you can get Ozuna for half the price of Springer, basically. Does that does that tickle the balls if you're the Astros? Uh you're okay with putting him out there in left field. Um, you're okay with putting Ozuna in the outfield. I mean, because one could argue, d- depending on how you want, depending on it's got less room well, to roam around out there. So what I was just going to say is, depending on how you have your defense set up, if your center fielder's a guy that can go and get it. And can move laterally and cover that, uh, cover that little area where the Crawford boxes kick out. Then, yeah, maybe. But Ozuna is just not a guy that you want to rely on every day defensively. He's just not. No, he's not. 
So, so yeah, if you want to put him out there in left field and tell him to stay two feet off the track and just keep it in front of you, <laughs> then sure. But if you're losing George Springer, you're not replacing anybody with Ozuna. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're now asking whoever's going to be stepping into center field there to do to do a job and to also take care of Ozuna out there in left field. And hey, fucking watch out for the guy too because he's not small. He'll fucking put he'll turn you into an oil stick. Where do you like him going? Um. Ooh. You know who else I have as a dark horse? Who? It would be awesome to like see him in this lineup with some other like righty bash bros, and he would have the benefit of the DH here as well. Where? Toronto. Toronto. I would like him a lot in Toronto as a full time. And he could DH. probably help. He might be able to help some of those young guys. Yeah. That'd be great. Um, I would love that. What about, uh, what about Colorado? Eh, I mean, you're going to put him in that fucking outfield with no DH? No chance. No, that, but see, that's, that's probably why the, the worst DH, place to put him. That's why the DH, this shit matters to me. I, I hate doing shit like this because you don't know. It's like you, you eliminate 15 teams automatically. Well, for now. Automatically. I, like, I think like if if you're, I don't know who... Like I don't know if you're like the Phillies or something like that. It's like we can we can absorb we can hide them. We can absorb this for a little for one year, knowing that we're probably going to get the DH uh, in 2022. If you're the Rockies, you're like there's no fucking place to hide this guy. Like, can we sign him and just like bench him for a year and then we'll figure it out? Like, yeah, no, that ain't that ain't happening no. at all. Um, what about the what about the Halos? What about the Halo? I mean, at some point, if you're the Angels, you can't keep throwing money at your offense and hoping that it fixes your pitching. Well, that yeah, that's just not a thing. Yeah, if they're going to spend that's money, how, how it better long, be on fucking pitching. How long does uh, how long does Upton have left on his contract? That's what I would want to know too. Probably not long. Yeah, the Angels they've got to. I mean, but look, we we thought that same thing, and they signed Rendon. Yeah. They go. We need a pitcher. How's a fucking third baseman for two hundred and something million sound? You love it. You do. Awesome. Book it. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh, the makeup there was Dylan Bundy. Yeah. Well, he was good. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Where do you got him going? Give me a team. Um. Ooh. See, there's another place that would be good too. But what about Cincinnati? I mean, it would make sense. I mean, they kind of just are like, hey, what position you play? Doesn't matter. All right. Can you hit? For sure. We'll find a spot for you out there. You can play, sec- uh, can play uh, a little second base. An, out- an outfield with him and Cassiano. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. <laughs> just put it in the air. Just put it in the air. Um, played third base before, son? <laughs> I don't know. Like, see, like, I just keep I, – I, I don't want to just keep throwing fucking teams out there. Um. I'll, I'll settle on. Uh, no, who who did I say initially? You I said, said the fucking Nats. Colorado. I said well, no, but but I said the Nats very early. When you asked me that question, I said the Nats. Yeah. You like? I'm going to say the Nats. You like them in DC? I'm going to say the Nats. Okay. 
That'd be cool to see him with Soto. That would be uh that'd be quite the combo. Marcus Simeon. Marcus Simeon, three years at fifty one, seventeen per. Where do you have your boy Marcus Simeon? Because it ain't Oakland. Don't don't be so quick. Oh, to send that ship out to. Sea. I am. Don't don't be so quick. I'm pretty quick. There's a lot. There's a lot that plays into the hand of the Oakland A's. A lot. Yeah. Do you he, think they should should have made him a qualifying offer? I think yes. If you had intentions of locking him up or had intentions of entertaining him for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. then yeah, off make him that Dude offer. Dude was a fucking MVP finalist one year ago, and now it's like, well, where are we going to put him? Like, who wants this guy? Like, I feel like if, if, you know, if he was a free agent after 2019, this conversation is wildly different. Yeah, he, he just... Um, I don't know why everyone's so down on Simeon after one year. Well, exactly. They're down on him after the year that he had, too. That's what's crazy, is it's not like he's just kind of in ho-hum, 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 ho-hum. And no, he had a phenomenal year. Yeah. And he has only gotten better throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But, again, he's no spring chicken either, no. right? Um, the hometown discount, the fact that his entire family, he and his wife's family, are right there, that's going to help. That's going to help a lot. The taxes do not help. You are correct. Mm. The fact that the last big deal the A's signed was a six-year, $66 million deal for Eric Chavez. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't necessarily bode in the favor of Marcus Simeon. No. I mean, when, when the guy who's the highest-paid player in team history – uh, his peak was at a point where he was on the cover of a video game in 2002, I believe. Um, yeah, it's been a little bit since they've since they shelled out. So let's let's move on from the A's because that's just not that's not where he's going to end up. Uh, I saw. Uh, uh, I feel like people think he he could end up with the Angels, and that would mean that the Angels would trade Andrelton Simmons, and I'm going to go a different route because there is another team. I know where you got it. That is going to be trading their shortstop. And uh-huh. they are going to need a shortstop because they have just traded their shortstop. So, I mean, if if the demand isn't out there, why not, why not bring him to Cleveland? Why not have him be the guy that, I mean, at least if you're, if you're, I know that like the owners don't give a fuck about like the fan perception or anything. But if you're going to trade Francisco Lindor, the face of your franchise, you're going to piss off whatever remaining fans that you have left. But at least you can try and save face a little bit being like, well, you know, we this guy was an MVP finalist two years ago. Uh, you know, it's not like we, we traded Lindor and replaced him with some slouch. Uh, like this guy was an MVP finalist a year ago. So I think I think it makes sense. Do I think that the Indians do it? No. Do I think that they should? Yeah. Even if it's on a one-year deal, whatever. Yeah, I go back. Uh, you, you know where I think. I mean, Simeon. What about Simeon in Cincinnati? Uh, 
did they have? Fucking Jose Iglesias. Where was he last year? He's in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, he was not in. They don't. Uh, they they have they have nobody. Maybe. Yeah, that'd be cool. And you plug him in that lineup with, because he's got thirty pop. He's got thirty pump potential. Yeah, Castellanos, Mustakis, Castellanos, Suarez, Votto. Um, who the fuck was playing yeah. short for the Reds this year? Why am I blanking on that? No idea. <laughs> a young guy. Um, fuck, I'm not even gonna pretend to fucking know his name. Um. Oh, fucking so was Freddie Galvis? Freddie Galvis. Could have been. He could have started every game, and I and I could. You could be correct, and you could tell me that Freddie Galvis retired four years ago. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I know Freddie Galvis played I'm, this year. Right. <laughs> I know. So, but uh, yeah, I nope. Okay. All right. Whatever. Yeah, I I got Simeon to the Indians, based on logic. Simeonians. Yeah. Where do you got him? You got him going to the Reds. Um. No. Where did I? Where did I originally? I thought I, I thought you I had him fucking him going back the... to Oakland, which is just not feasible. No, 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 no. I said there were reasons to not count out the Oakland A's okay. as a viable suitor. So then that's, the Angels. That's all I said. Um, you said the Angels and the Reds. So I'll take the Reds. No, you know what? What about Detroit? Uh, who plays short for Detroit? Nico. You could. I mean. Anyone could play for Detroit right now. You make. You, I'll go Detroit. Okay. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, Liam Hendricks projected to get thirty six over three. That's twelve million bucks a year. Um, so that is out of the Oakland A's price range. No, 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 um, no, no. Yeah. So the the obvious. There's been a shift. There's been a shift in consideration, Jared. Cool. Uh, so the obvious answer here is the Phillies. I mean, you take a look at the top free agent relievers out there. You take a look at the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball. Um, I think, I think where this might has the potential to not work out is if the Phillies are so honed in on Rio Muto that they that like Liam Hendricks has identified where he wants to go a team that's talking numbers with them and those seem satisfactory I think the potential is decent for Hendricks to sign before Rio Muto does and if that's the case then it's like well can you blame the Phillies yes you can because you fucking need bullpen help and I understand that JT is a big piece of what you've got going on there, but you need to identify your greatest weakness. And it doesn't it, like a fucking blind person could be like, Hey, Philly, you need some bullpen help. Liam Hendricks. He can help you out back there. He's a fucking animal. Go get this guy. Um, but yeah, I understand it on both sides. You, you're going to prioritize JT, a dude that's going to on a day to day basis being making the greater impact. But identify your greatest weakness it is the bullpen and they should very much say hey liam what's it gonna take we gotta talk what if the white Sox had that kind of stopper 
Yeah, I mean, like they're also like another team that's not really known for shelling out big bucks, but I guess like thirty six over three isn't crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, like they would need to like column A crochet. Like we never really got an update on crochet, have we? Like they got bummer. I mean, yeah, they. I mean, they could use another guy. They could use another guy back there. Uh. I don't know if my eyes will be able to adjust to watching Liam Hendricks in a Houston Astros. Oh, no. Oh, no. That would really hurt the heart. That would really hurt the heart because if there's one thing that you saw from the Houston Astros was they they probably could have – they could have used that guy. I mean, the second Osuna went down, it was like they were trotting out absolute bums. I mean, and and – they had guys from A-ball who were starting and relieving and trying to figure it out who did very well. Very well, all things considered. Considered the lack of experience and being just thrust into that moment, pretty damn good job. Yeah. That being said, not a good enough. You have, you have a fucking stallion like Liam. I don't fucking care what the score is. When do you want me to pitch? Faith didn't give me the fucking ball, mate. Sit back. Here comes 100. Fuck you. Be nice if the Red Sox That's a, ran on a guy like that, too. No, hey, well, hey, good news is you guys do have a manager yeah, now. We do, so you're you're slowly putting it together. Yeah. I mean, credit to me. I don't I don't ever really talk about the Red Sox on this show. I don't. I say I, I leave the bias at the door. Would I like Liam Hendricks well, on my team? Absolutely. I would, yeah. It's because the only human being that breathes air that you will even acknowledge as a managerial figure was not the manager of the team. The team. <laughs> Probably could have. You're not my real out, dad, Ron. Probably could have sent out Pawtucket, and nobody, nobody in baseball would have noticed, and it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, we've also so been, no, I can been, see we've why we've been doing the show for like four or five years now. So I don't think it's just like 2020. It's like the only sample. But anyways, I, yes, I would like to have Liam Hendricks, but um, I do think that Philly makes the most sense. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka, he's not going anywhere. Agree. No, he, uh, oh Tanaka. Yeah. You think you think he's staying put? Uh, yeah, I do. Is that because the is that because the Yankees don't want to let him go, or I don't think that I mean, like you're not you're not going to bring back Paxton. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was a disappointment. Um, Jay Haps not coming back. Like they can't afford to lose like fucking three four fifths of their road. Like who do you have after Garrett Cole if you let Tanaka walk? Plus you you saw the picture. You saw the picture. I mean, like, Luis Severino will come back, sure. But you saw the picture fucking right after the season was over. Who was Masahiro Tanaka at dinner with? Garrett Cole. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's all you need to see. That's all you need to know. Wrap it up. Yep. They'll figure out the numbers. You know, you you got money coming off the books because of uh, the other guy. Like, you're, the option didn't vest for Hap. You're not going to bring back Paxton. Uh, it's a no-brainer. Tanaka's not going anywhere. Yeah, I uh, the the minute that I saw that photo, yeah, it was just like, I'm all just right, like, oh, the deal's already done. Okay. They're just waiting to announce yeah. it out of respect. Exactly, yeah. way go, yeah. way go. Okay, we, that's that's a no brainer. Michael Brantley, three years, forty five million. That's fifteen million per year is the prediction. Um, you know, I've seen, I've seen George Springer linked to the Red Sox a lot, and I have him going to the Mets. I think if you actually Google George Springer's name, like it auto fills Red Sox. Uh, I've got Michael Brantley coming to Boston. I do. 
wow. I've got Michael Brantley coming to Boston, and that's not a homer pick. That is like a, let's call it an educated guess. And I'm not saying, like, sources, Michael Brantley is coming to Boston. Like, he's already agreed on it. I've just heard through back channels that he wants to come to Boston. Whether or not he does do that, don't know. I don't even know if the Red Sox have reached out to Michael Brantley. No clue. But I have heard that he has interest in coming to Boston. So how old is he? He's got to be what, like 33? I was going to say 32, 33. Michael Brantley is 33 years old. He will be 34 on May 15th. So three years. I got, I'm saying, I'm taking the under on the deal. Two years? You got a two-year piece? Two-year piece. Yeah, two-year piece, and uh, why can't – can Michael Brantley go play uh, – can he go play in Toronto? He could, but it's going to be hard for – you know they're gonna have Marcelo Zuna. So, oh yeah, see they they got your boy Ozuna, but they've got because what would that outfield look like? Who's out there? Teoscar Hernandez, bombs, and, uh, Grichik, Randall Grichik, uh, Little League legend Ooh. Randall Grichik. Who else is out there? What uh? What about what you call it? Um, fucking Guriel's brother. Yeah, Lourdes, 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 Lourdes he play, he Guriel. Play, isn't he kind of like? But he, he's a he's a hybrid guy, right? Yeah, he's, he can he's play a, wherever you need. He's like a he's Chris a utilitarian. Bryant. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it, send Michael Brantley to Toronto with the young boys. No, I'm not even like strongly advocating for Brantley. I just give me fucking something, dude. <laughs> like, Christ. Um. All right, so those are the top ten free agents where we think they're going to go and the predictions for what they're going to make. The uh, 2020 Hall of Fame ballot was released, and uh, the top returning vote-getters, Kurt Schilling, Uncle Kurt, 70%. This is his ninth year on the ballot, uh, second to last. This will be the year that Uncle Kurt gets in. Shame on me for not beating him in rock, paper, scissors, because the wager was if I beat him, he would have give me a shout-out in his Hall of Fame speech. I blew it. I didn't win. The Rocket, Roger Clemens, 61%. This is also his ninth year. Uh, on the ballot, Barry Bonds, you the man, Barry, Barry Lamar, 60.7%. This is also his ninth year on the ballot. And we talked about this. Funny funny that we uh, we had this conversation in spring training uh, on Bauer Bites, and I called it the asshole class. And I don't mean it that way. Like, I love Roger Clemens. You know that. You know I love Barry, and you know I love Uncle Kurt. But I'm saying the general perception whatever, uh, Kurt's fucking Twitter account, uh, the steroid performance-enhancing drug allegations against uh, Rocket and uh, Barry. So we'll get to the, the, the new players that are on the ballot for the first time in just a second, but no one, no one from the first-year guys are making the Hall of Fame this year. It's not happening. So if you would like to have a year, and then the other the other person would be Omar Vizquel, 52.6%. He's not going to be able to, to make that leap. But if 
You wanted to. How about Omar being <laughs> being in this group with these? Well, things? I don't think like, he's technically. Like, he's in like the tier below. Like these are no, like, no. I understand. Like, like if, if we're breaking from the an tier opinion down, standpoint, from an opinion standpoint, from a perception standpoint, yeah. you've got Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, and then Omar Vizquel, yeah. like one of the most widely and beloved. highly regarded and respected yeah. and beloved players yep. in the game. But in terms of like, if you're going to group it in terms of at the percentages that they were at last year. Who can make the jump to get in this year? Omar Vizquel will fall short of that. Like he, you can't make the jump in one year that Omar needs to make to get into the Hall of Fame. He, I think he will get into the Hall of Fame, but those guys—Schilling, Bonds, Clemens—those are the guys that uh, are looking at the asshole class. Um, do you think that? I mean, Schilling's getting in, so he's he's getting in. What did he need? Seventy-five percent. Seventy-five percent. So Schilling's getting in. And do you think that if you're a voter that they're buying into this logic that, you know, if you're going to put these guys in, like I understand making them sweat it out the full 10 years so that they've absolutely uh, been on the ballot waiting as long as you possibly can before you can get in. But if you also want to create this scenario where it's like, all right, uh, we're not we're not going to put like a Derek Jeter up there with Bonds and Clemens and Schilling. Like there's no, there's no golden boy that you have to have this, you know, whatever people want to call it a dark day in baseball history. Uh, You can just have those three individuals get in together with nobody else. And you're not like grouping in someone else to like ruin their big day and like be asked about like, well, how does it feel to go in with, you know, being overshadowed by guys like that? Like you can just put those three guys in together get it over with in year nine versus making them sweat it out for 10 years. Do you think Dallas, do you have the fucking balls today, November 17th and our Lord's year of 2020 to say that bonds Clemens and Schilling will become hall of famers together in this next hall of fame class. Dallas, do you have the fucking balls to say that? No, no. You don't think and, so you think I, Schilling's getting his own day. I don't I don't know. Schilling's getting it. Look, don't even start. He's I getting don't, it. <laughs> he is. You don't get to 70 and then just halt. Dude, um one one thing that has helped is that some of the old dogs, some of the old guard have moved on from their post and have had that vote taken, right? And with the new voter has come a fresh perspective and sort of a uh, an amends that has been made or a we've all come to terms with uh, with what has gone on. And I'm speaking when I say we all, I mean the new age voter. And, hey, yeah, steroids, whatever, but you know what? It's a museum. It's going to tell the story of the game. Let's put them in there. Maybe that happens, but I also think that for this, for for a lot of the reasons that Uncle Kurt no longer worked at ESPN and continues to put himself in the light that he does publicly, whether you like it or not, whether you agree with it or not, if that stuff's going to have an impact or if that stuff's going to matter and factor into the voting, w- what he's got going on 
is is not helping him if you feel that his outspokenness has prevented him from having his day it has because it's not this it's not the steroids and it's not anything like that you know anything that has quote-unquote marred the game or given the game a black eye if it's not that and it's just him as a person and how he's behaving or how he's behaved in the past like the most your most recent taste of uncle kurt in your mouth probably isn't swaying you to forget some things and lean a different way if you haven't been giving him his flowers to this day so i i, <laughs> I don't know man i don't know i i just because i don't know what I, I don't know where the voters are willing to draw the line you know because you have to ask yourself if you're telling that story about a guy do i you know do i want to be perceived as somebody who doesn't care about the human being and just wants his personal performance to be acknowledged and blah 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 blah. like do i want to hear people crush me for 20 30 years about how he's treated people and blah 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 and and do i always want to have to just go i don't fucking care he was a phenomenal postseason threat was a god like that's what i'm talking about i'm talking about the baseball player like so he kicked puppies do you think I kick puppies? Am I a bad person because I voted for the really good baseball player who kicks puppies? No. But if in your head I'm the puppy kicker right along with him, the problem is with you, not me. I'm not kicking fucking puppies. I'm voting for really good baseball players. And that's who this, you know, maybe not so great human being is. He's a really good baseball player. Yeah, I, I agree. So that goes for everybody that goes for everybody in the game, everybody in whatever game you're talking about like that. that, And that's why I said the Hall of Fame is it's a museum telling the story of our game. If it was ever about character, you'd have to shut the fucking doors on that place. You would never be able to allow people in to hear the stories. You just wouldn't. It's true because we have to start with acknowledging that an entire race of people, races of people just weren't allowed to play that game for a while. Mm-hmm. And you mean to tell me that's a warm and fuzzy story? That's a warm and fuzzy part of the history of the game that that you're okay with being around, but, but oh, this guy was a bad apple, so let's not? Get the, come, what? Is Stop. Branch Rickey in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I believe he is, yes. Is he? He is. Okay. Sweet. Well... <clears throat> I actually watched I watched 42 on the way to Arizona on the plane. Uh Look at the shirt I'm wearing. It's a great shirt. It's a great shirt. We all wear um, it. Yeah. So I think that's my hope and it makes the most sense. They're going to get in eventually. And it's like fucking chilling deserves to be a Hall of Famer like it's like it, you can say whatever you want about him as a person, but like Dallas just said, if you kept people out based on character you you wouldn't have very many people still in the Hall of Fame. Uh, We'd have a wall. We'd have a wall of yeah, fame. Yeah, and it wouldn't be the hall. It'd be the right. wall. And uh, you know, I, I know people often cite you know the postseason heroics of Kurt Schilling, but it's like I think that that 
under like the postseason narrative should be included 1000%, but it kind of like undermines what a great baseball career he had like in the regular season. It's like he wasn't just a postseason legend. He was just a fucking great pitcher. Um, and when you when you look at some of these newcomers on the ballot this year, like a Barry Zito, like a Tim Hudson, um, like a Mark Burley and get him in. You, you compare those three guys, these first timers on the ballot. Uh, and you, you say these are very good. These are very good pitchers. And I'm not going to close the door on Mark Burley becoming a Hall of Famer someday. Um, Thank you. Maybe even a Tim Hudson. Uh, I would not. Mark Burley might be. I, I have no idea what Burley's like, like career numbers would stack up and how they would stack up. Like, what's his career war? Uh, I think he averaged like a four and a half over like his like a ten, like a ten year stretch. So like, oh, you don't need to tell me about this dude. Like that, Jared. Jared, there was one, Carabas, one, one year, one year, Jared. Let me say that again. One year in this dude's career that he didn't pump out 200 innings. And it was like 197 or whatever the fuck it was? Uh, it, yeah, one, yes, probably. 197, one, yeah. 198. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, one year. One. But what I was going to say was, you know, you look at these guys like Hudson, Zito, and... um. Uh, what the fuck was I just saying? Yeah, Burley. It, like when you look at those three guys and you stack them up against each other, it's interesting to have the debate of who had the better career out of these potential Hall of Fame candidates, these guys that will be on the ballot for the first time. And then you take those three guys who have somewhat similar numbers, and depending on which numbers you're, that you're looking at, and then you stack them up, like at least when you're looking at their peaks. They had very different careers, but like when you look at their peaks, you can see a lot of similarities. Um, but when you take those three guys and you stack them up against Kurt Schilling, you're like, well, fuck. Like, this guy is on a completely different right. level. Like, why right. are we talking different. about Kurt Schilling in the ninth year uh, on the fucking ballot when it's like, this guy's a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Like, He's not in the Hall of Fame because of his goddamn Twitter, and he can't shut his fucking mouth. And I've told him to the to his fucking face. I've been like, Kurt, shut the fuck up just for one year. Please, I'm begging you. Well, He's like, I won't do it. I won't do it. And if we're being honest, man, the only reason, and the, it, it sucks terribly because there's a guy. Name Aubrey Huff. Oh God, where who, are we going with this? No, who who was to, well? Listen, I'll tell you. He he he's he's kind of echoed the same sentiment, not about the Hall of Fame, but about being accepted or liked by his teammates, or excuse me, his former teammates, former fans, you know, whatever. And he knows what impact he had on that team. He knows what role he played in winning the world series he he knows that his teammates know that and the fans know that and i believe he felt like that was going to be enough for him to not be a part of the celebration you know what that wasn't enough it wasn't enough and it matters that he was not invited it matters that he was cut out of the celebration and that's celebrating a championship, right? A lifelong memory. That's just one team, one year that will forever live on. With Kurt Schilling, we're talking about the 
culmination of a career in its entirety from start to finish from the first day you got signed up to go play little league with a snotty nose and your uniform on all fucked up to dominating in the world series as the greatest one-two punch the postseason's ever seen and you're not going to be celebrated and your effort on the baseball field isn't going to be celebrated and acknowledged the way it should be because you won't get out of your own way that will affect you the day that you don't get into the hall and it will affect you each and every day you spend having to justify to yourself why you didn't get in so i would i would do what you have done jared and i would i would ask him to just give yourself five good minutes in the mirror and figure out how important your legacy really is to you and to your family because i know what kind of stories you want to be able to tell to your grandchildren Mm -hmm. and i know they're not about what could have been what should have been that's not the conversations you want to have Mm -hmm. by the fire yeah while you're chasing your 48 fucking chickens you psycho absolute (laughs) lunatic yeah um We'll see, but uh, yeah, hall, the Hall of Fame discussion is always an interesting one, and uh, we will be continuing that discussion as the weeks go on during the offseason. We get closer to uh, voting time, which I believe is, what, January, um, when they released that, the ballot. I, I, I love yep. baseball Hall of Fame season, and I think this particular ballot will be very much discussed and digested and talked about and reacted to because... You know, we do have the personal relationship with Uncle Kurt, and we do love ourselves uh, some Barry Lamar Bonds and and the Rocket Roger Clemens. Um, It's something that I feel very strongly and passionately about, and I, you know what, I'm going to put out some fucking Bond shirts. Fuck it. I just made that decision right now. I'm going to have them put out some fucking Barry shirts, and I'll wear it every day. I'll wear it every day until he gets into the fucking Hall of Fame. Do we need to put out a shirt that just has... Your how how you hit him on Twitter on <laughs> the front, the man, and then Barry. how I hit him on the back. Yeah, you just put you the man Barry on the front, and then we'll just put Barry Lamar Bonds on the back. We got to put out a whole line. I want I want to like make chicken shirts. I'm gonna make chicken shirts. I'm gonna make uh, Barry Bonds belongs in the Hall of Fame. There's yeah, we're gonna put out a whole fucking bunch of shit because Uncle Uncle Kurt has flown the coop. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I I I gotta tell you, when Hall of Fame season comes around. I have this debate with myself on whether or not I want to just absolutely skewer the asshole ballots that come through, the ones that you know are just complete assholery. And, and, and I don't know that I ever land on a definitive, like, yeah, I'm just going to crush this this vote or if I'm just going to leave it alone because you don't want to give the individual any more attention because you know that's exactly what they've just done. They've, they, they've tweeted this out, and they've cast their vote this way so that they could potentially land a, a segment on MLB Network. They, wanna, they want someone to interview them and ask them, what the hell were you thinking? So I, 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 I don't know. I don't know which me is going to, to win that battle. Well, we'll find out. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned for um, probably w- we got Fairbanks next week. 
We do. So Pete Fairbanks of the Tampa Bay Rays will be on the show next week. Appreciate you listening to this episode. It was, I mean, we we started recording everything today at noon. It is now the sun is down in my in my studio. It, it was sun was up when I got in here. Um, so it was it was a heavy day of starting nine. We appreciate you guys for all the support. We're trying to bring you. Uh, as many interviews as we can. We're trying to keep you guys connected to baseball as we all navigate the offseason and try to figure out what the fuck we're going to do with no baseball. So we try to bring you uh, as much baseball into your life as as possible during this time with no baseball. So, again, shout-out to the Grounds crew. We appreciate you guys. Uh, Dallas, any any uh, final thoughts here? Uh, if you guys have any ugly sweater ideas. Oh, yeah, fire those off. Fire them off. Hit me up. All right. I've been uh, b- been in the lab. We'll see if uh, maybe there's just something. Uh, I I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe this design will finally get us a, a-, a Jay Hay Nug sweater. Okay, I can't wait for that then. Yeah. <laughs> so, stay tuned. <laughs>